0: Some nerds and welcome to another episode of D and D and TV, the podcast where we watch episodes of television that we really enjoy and tell you about how you might be able to use some of the themes, concepts and characters for the- from them in your role playing games. I am your host Jeremy, and I am joined this week uh, by my friend Meek, who has never run out of colours when sending somebody off a field hockey field.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know what? It's actually funny you should say that because fun little anecdote i don't play team sports never did but the one team sport i played was water polo and i did get sent off because i tried to drown people like i can't play competitive sports
0: was this a deliberate trying to drown or was it more like yeah. i'm unhappy I'm yeah, no, no, no. swimming and if i get sent off as fast as possible it's the best way
1: no it was like uber competitive just just, just reaching at people and just like jamming you underwater oh wow um, so it's like
0: 1956 yeah. hungary versus russia in the in the <laughs> Olympics.
1: Yeah, I did not play water polo again after that game. I did not get Fair. asked to go back to the team.
0: Was it... Let, let's get this clear. What, did you not go back or were you asked to not go back?
1: No, I just never went back.
0: Mm-hmm. I just knew mm-hmm.
1: I knew that it wasn't a good choice for me.
0: And that's what the police report will indicate as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. My, my working with children check is clear. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, be- yeah, I wasn't allowed to do team sports as a kid, and then the one time I did do team sports, it was an immediate mistake. Um, yeah, I went back to golf. Golf is a much better sport for me.
0: Golf is a good sports. sport. Well, yeah, but before, but in the before times, before the virus. And that is actually what we are talking about this week. We are talking about a show from 2007, Gossip Girl 2007. Uh, We are up doing Season 1, Episode 3, Poison Ivy, which was directed by J. Millen Tobin and written by Felicia D. Henderson. Uh, This is the episode where Blair uncovers scandalous information about Serena. Dan sets his sights on impressing the Dartmouth representative. Very, very basic uh, plot for this one which is kind of good it is good.
1: basic but it's but it's it's a little bit drama-y though it, it seems simple but it was edge of your seat drama the whole time
0: i <laughs> would disagree <laughs> i
1: that pause was you yeah. just actually take a moment to compose yourself after recalling all of the drama and excitement of this episode
0: okay i will say there was a lot of drama and excitement in this episode <laughs> edge of my seat maybe not uh, but this is a good episode. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the, well, the best that we've seen so far.
1: Three episodes in.
0: Three episodes Got in is the best we have seen so far. And now this is a spoiler-free podcast for this show that is 14 years old. Mm. Uh, there is one thing that we will always spoil because in the final episode it was revealed that Dan Humphrey, the main character, the um, the poor boy, the lonely boy. Lonely lonely boy.
1: lonely boy. Is
0: actually the eponymous character, Gossip Girl.
1: (gasps) Dun-dun-dun!
0: I, everyone in the world, was stunned by this revelation, including the actor, because there was no indication... Well, actually, this is what we were discussing, that was there any indication through the series that this character was actually Gossip Girl, or was it pulled out of the arse of the writers at the very last moment? Because Gossip Girl is this person in the show that continually uses their knowledge and... I guess, hot information, yeah, hot tips from the kids. Basically, they've got a blog. It is a gossip blog about mm, one particular mm. school on the Upper East Side of New York. Mm. Why anyone outside this one particular school actually follows the blog is beyond me. Anyone who decides to go, hey, these are children, and I'm going to follow the, the ins and outs of their relationships outside mm. of being in their friend group, that person worries me. That person very much worries me and should probably be on a watch list.
1: Yes, but I am just going to counter that with I'm just I'm just checking my facts here. Oh no, this facts. Say six, Sixteen and Pregnant came out in 20, 20, 2009. Because like there was already shows that were okay. following, kids. but it was a couple of years after Gossip Girl, so mm, you
0: know that, maybe that your comment fair. can still stand. I don't know. I feel that it's it's very much a New York thing. It's an overheard in New York thing. Um. Yeah. yeah Yeah. it's just that these are people that you see and the gossip girls sightings as like these are the the scions of industry that you spot and it's like oh Mm. and they were going to this club it is a very early 2000s be your own media be your own journalism yeah uh (laughs) wait (laughs) no
1: we said the same thing we said (laughs) the same thing <laughs> you had a sure first.
0: Sure we did. I actually want to bring up Gossip Girl here because there is mm. something that I don't think we've touched in the other episodes before, and I always keep writing down in my notes and forgetting to to bring up the Gossip Girl as a character or as a voiceover, because that's really where Gossip Girl only appears if we're not counting Dan Humphrey person who is Gossip Girl. <laughs> The yeah. the role of Gossip Girl, played by Kristen Bell, amazingly, mm. um, does mm. little voiceovers and narration for different scenes and kind of gives the audience a little bit more of a, a snarky comment about a lot of the things that are going on. Mm. That works really well for role-playing games because you get to have this game master narrator commenting on everything that's happening. It's a great way to int- – like most of the time in the show, it introduced and uh, outros the show. That you'll have mm. a little bit of a, a speech at the beginning, a little bit of a speech at the end. The this is what they learned today, sort of thing. Yeah. But that's a great way for the the game master to open up a session and to wrap one up as well. That they can say, last session this happened. What are you going to see when you go into the cave? And at the end, well, looks like you're in a real pickle now with that dragon boiling <laughs> down on you. But that's be time for next week.
1: I was going to say it also doesn't it work as well as like the voice of someone's like warlock patron. Like they yes. could be someone, oh someone's warlock patron could be Gossip Girl that just kind of constantly be like, "Oh my god, I heard that!" Like uh, Ariel over there totally like was not stealing like coin from people. You should totally go check it out.
0: I would love that if there is a patron who just wants to gossip constantly with that. Even just a god doesn't mm. have to be a warlock patron. It can be a god who's like mm. poking their followers, like, "Hey, hey!" Oh yeah, I've a cleric me-? as well can you get the information from, from that people? I just need to, I just need to tell all my friends. Just, That'd I really want to know what's in, I really want to know what's in that envelope. I've got to know. I've actually I know now.
1: read cool. this as a somewhere and apologies that I can't credit. Cause I genuinely have no idea where I remember it from in like, I love when people post these bad character ideas. Cause I genuinely save them um, into my to be played characters. And one yeah. of them was someone who had a, I think they were multi-class like cleric warlock but there was something between the two Davies were like exes and so this person was like the the custody child that like one would give it powers and so the other one was like well i'll give you a better power but then they were both kind of tussling for like ownership over this like mortal because they were and yeah it was very funny and i suspect I it like, may have been just be fun.
0: it may have just been like the the tumblr blog bad rpg ideas and i have a whole I,
1: blog of these
0: yeah it's on tumblr um, I'm pretty certain it's just at bad RPG ideas. Uh, what I always love is there's always someone who reblocks and goes, change your name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got bunches of these saves in my, oh, this is how old I am. This is how I'm aging myself. Cause I save screen grabs of other people's Reddit and probably Tumblr posts. Cause I don't know how Tumblr works and Reddit scares me.
0: If it's a text post, that is the best way to do it's called keeping the receipts for when they eventually get deleted. Yeah. You can do it with Twitter, yeah. too. Uh,
1: yeah, that's another thing that I should do.
0: No, stay off Twitter. On. Twitter is a trash fire. And also follow the pod at <laughs> dmd and tvpod.
1: Yeah, it's not a trash fire. That particular account is lovely.
0: It is. It is. This is where you'll see some fantastic images from each of these episodes. And also, you know what? I'm wrapping up the show before we've even got started. <laughs>
1: I think that was great. I think we did really well. Um, We did. This was a good episode. episode. Uh, That's a record as well. We didn't even go over two hours.
0: Share, like, subscribe. Yep.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, Yeah. But we will start actually getting talk about the episode now because there's some interesting stuff in this one. I feel that not a lot happens. Like you said, it is full of drama, but it is a very basic one where there's going to be Ivy League I guess representatives from all the different universities all the kids mm. want to get in and talk with their particular one and that will yeah. shoo them in for actually going to that Ivy League school if um, if they mm. impress them that's it basically the entire most of the show or most of the episode takes place either leading mm. up to this one little evening event or directly after
1: mm. yeah it's a great reflection of privilege <laughs> Oh yes, to just show a bunch of rich kids who have access to these people to get into these prestigious schools because that's how they work. Well,
0: um, I think yeah. this is also when we start to see in the show about that clash between the 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 poor rich divide. Mm.
1: Uh, again, are you referring to Dan Humphreys there as poor? I just because we do want to point out that again we say poor.
0: Well, he he's very pointed out. It's very much pointed out that Dan is poor. The the Humphreys yeah. are poor. Yeah, With a capital P. In their million
1: Dollar Loft in Brooklyn and their art right. gallery dad. That's they right. are so struggling.
0: They are. I mean Paul Rufus. Is, Rufus is constantly cooking and it's always fresh food too. It's never it's never taken. Yeah. No.
1: That's
0: it's something not I noticed in this episode outside. that Rufus is always cooking.
1: Yeah. Well, that's because he's like, the cool dad, yeah? He's the cool dad.
0: Well, he's also the only dad in the like he's a single parent. He better be cooking. You cook yeah. for your children, Rufus Humphrey. Yeah,
1: fair.
0: I think because it's a loft, there's not that much space. And, like, the kitchen is a major part of the set. And mm. rather than just have them in the kitchen all the time, it's like, well, let's have him cooking and doing things. Mm. But it seems like Rufus making waffles. Rufus making pancakes. Rufus making spaghetti. Yeah. All right, yeah. just chill, man. You don't have to be cooking all the time.
1: shows that he's an everyman. You know, just like, just like you or I, Jeremy, with his own art gallery and his Million Dollar Loft in Brooklyn. He's just like you and me.
0: And his band that he plays in on weekends and his, yes. Yeah,
1: that was in what? What was it in? Rolling Stone? Yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. That. Just like his band yeah. that was featured in Rolling Stone with his art gallery in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. He's mm-hmm. just an everyman.
0: He is. He is. Yeah. Rufus Humphrey, everyman. That's actually so relatable. his middle name. Rufus Everyman mm-hmm. Humphrey. Yeah. We start off with basically explaining what the plot of the episode will be. With all the the child characters all of the the teen characters at their school having the 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 set piece the of assembly? the episode yeah the assembly oh. isn't yeah, 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 having yeah. having the assembly uh, with the headmistress or maybe the dean I'm not sure I don't think this character even gets a name um they're just <laughs> they're adult either. they're yeah they're just adult adult <laughs> at school school adult there's as will call them
1: there's a boy one and a girl one.
0: Yeah, which it makes Very sense. Very clearly. It makes sense because the schools are separated. It seems to be okay. one school but there is a boys section and a girls section. All um, I remember is that the girls school is Constance and yes. the boys Constance is probably Billings. some saint or something. St the, Jude's. There we go, St Jude's. I knew it would be a saint it always is. <laughs>
1: Constance Billard and Saint Jude's.
0: So they go through, uh, and part of this is that the the juniors, because I believe they're all juniors at this stage, um, in in their schooling year. Yeah, is... they're kind
1: of like Year Ten going into Year Eleven, or like Year Eleven going into Year Twelve, because they because the next season is them doing all their exams and stuff later on. Right. So yeah,
0: yeah. So the um, they're going to be having interviews, uh, through the through the week, uh, to be. De- Declared the usher for different representatives from the Ivy league schools. And Dan very much wants to be the Dartmouth usher. I don't like saying mm. that Dartmouth usher. <laughs> um, and Blair very much wants to be the Yale one.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I've skipped over the fact that Jenny's in the choir. Cause I feel that it does not matter. It was essentially no. them have a different version of a song in the, in the show. It
1: was very Glee-esque. It was like it a was. pop song, wasn't it? R- was it Rihanna?
0: No. Uh, it's glamorous. I the song now. I think
1: that's right, Fergie. That's right. That's right. It was pretty horrid. like pretty not great song, beautifully sung by Little J and the Constance Billard Choir.
0: Oh, there's like a proper choir. I just assumed it was yeah. pre. Well, I just figured it was like the cool kids doing a little little show like they do at some assemblies.
1: Oh, I'm sure it's some kind of thing. Some kind of, like, probably pretty prestigious chorale program um, to do it. I don't know. I feel like, here's the thing. I've done some research, right? And I'm going to shoehorn it in at some stage this sure. episode. I don't know if I just try and make it sound natural or just start yelling it.
0: it is it about acapella? Is it about Glee? Or is it and about... actually, Hitchcock? one
1: of them is about acapella. Okay, so one of it is okay, about well, this acapella, is acapella because... All right, because I was researching because I wanted to find out, because I found it very interesting that no one wants to go to Harvard because, right, L. Woods went oh, to yeah. Harvard, the most famous alumni, mm-hmm. and you would think that Harvard mm-hmm. would be on it, but no one wants to go to Harvard. Blair wants to go to Yale,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: which is famous for its drama music program, in particular, home to the Whiffenpoofs, mm-hmm. Yale's a cappella choir.
0: That's true. Now, I don't
1: think Blair would be there for a cappella.
0: No, she wouldn't be. She'd but... be there to marry one of the Whiffenpoofs. Most likely.
1: Maybe. Well see, famous famous alumni from Yale include Jodie Foster, Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep, Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton, Mm -hmm. George H. W. Bush. Mm -hmm. Um, All of Blair's Well, that's the thing. Part of me is like as I was reading this, I'm like, that doesn't really feel very Blaise.
0: Like I don't quite
1: get Her father went to Yale. That's right. I'd forgotten that.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the key thing. Her dad went to Yale, and if there's one thing that Blair does, it's hero worship her dad.
1: Mm,
0: mm. However, poor Serena is not there, very clearly um, Mm. uh, not there. And Well, here's one thing I like about this episode. One of the many things I do like about this episode is the way that they kind of go between the characters and flash back to them getting ready and talking about why this is such a big deal for them. Like we see Dan sitting there and it flashes back to him getting ready, which is when we have um, we have Rufus cooking in the kitchen, of course, and Dan being like, I can't shave. I'm so bad at this. It's so horrible. and I'm really bad. And basically Jenny making fun of him because that's funny. Um, Yeah. Why why shouldn't she?
1: Adolescence. Adolescence, Lol. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I, I still don't really understand why Dan wants to go to Dartmouth. But we mm. also see Blair doing the same thing. We see Nate doing the same thing with his dad. And it's like this whole little little background um, for mm. them all. That we get a little bit of backstory for each of them uh, leading up to this. So yeah. it could also be like this standalone episode as we get introduced to each of them again. Mm. I do like that... Blair is gushing about how amazing it's going to be for to go to Yale. How she's talking about how she fell in love with the bulldog and all this great stuff. And it's like, yeah. will do you will you feel old when I head off to college? And she's talking to her maid because her yeah. mother is still in Paris. Because it has been yeah. two days since this show started. Like in universe time, it has been two mm. days.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's what my life is like this every week. Like, I constantly <laughs> have to deal with, you know, really fancy parties and then, you know, interviews with Ivy League schools. I mean, maybe not today. Maybe when I was in high school, I should say. Um, yeah. yeah. It's 100% what my life was. Yeah,
0: we that's constantly. That's why I find this
1: show so relatable. <laughs>
0: We constantly That's had so Ivy good. League reps showing up in different air mm. er- different country schools in uh, in yes, Australia. I was
1: actually thinking about this. What would be an Ivy League school in Australia? ANU. You reckon?
0: Yes. As an ANU I mean... alum, I most definitely <laughs> believe that my school is Ivy League. Okay, great,
1: okay. great. Okay. I see no. I know both of the ones I attended are definitely not. I mean, mm. I can tell you the art school, I know the I know like the Juilliard of Australia, that's like Whopper or NIDA, yeah, but in Snyder. terms of like, well, hang on, Whopper's also very good for music theatre, I think. Yeah, NIDA but it's NIDA. Uh, but yeah, I was trying to think, I don't know what our Ivy Leagues are, but UN, UNSW?
0: UNS, uh, UNSW, Uni of Melbourne um, as well. Yeah. Uni of Melbourne's got quite a rep. Basically, just have a look through top five Australian universities, and those are total our Ivy ten League.
1: We have.
0: Yeah. Hey, we've got twelve now.
1: <laughs> is that really all?
0: No, we've got tons. Wow. Yes, let us just let's just remember that I am from the Ivy League of of Australian universities. Two of them, <laughs> in fact, um, having degrees from both ANU and Uni of Melbourne, uh, and this is why I'm able to do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. And Gossip Girl.
1: You'll be on the you'll be on the notable alumni in no time, no time.
0: Oh, of course it will. I donated twenty bucks this year. I'm like one of the highest donors in the oh. in the country.
1: Good on you. I get those well, so, emails from my past university. I'm like, I'm already paying off my hex. You don't get a dollar from me.
0: As you point out, that's probably the highest amount donated by an arts graduate, certainly. So what I really got some when Blair's gushing about Yale and talking mm, about how yes. great it was in the sweatshirt, and she, this is when she reminds us that her father went there. I was yes. getting such Gilmore Girls vibes from it. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Did you watch Gilmore Girls back in the day?
1: No. Okay, no, I one, know of it.
0: Yeah. So that had the, the teen character who very much wanted to go to Harvard and spoilers, when she finally ah. graduates, she gets into Yale. Uh, well, she gets into ah. fucking everywhere, but she goes to Yale because it's quite nearby. And despite the fact that she wanted to go to Boston and she wanted to do all this, like, Yale's closer and she likes Yale and it's such a good school. And she's like, I guess I'm going to Yale instead. It's like a big episode and it's like really quite mm. telling. But this, that's been my, I guess, knowledge of Yale. That's all I really mm. know about. This is how I know about the Whiffenpoofs uh, from ah. Gilmore Girls. Wait, why do or I know? Anything. I'm just, I am just assumed you would know because there's another show that's uh, got the initials GG.
1: No. Again, I, I don't know if we've touched on this yet, but I have a very small uh, library of media that I have accessed over the years. I find one thing that I like and then I just watch it, like, obsessively.
0: Hence why you picked Gossip Girl.
1: Yeah, because I know my Gossip Girl stuff. Yeah. I've watched it several times over because it is a masterpiece and it's very easy to watch many times. Because well, every you, time you find a new layer.
0: You would know why Serena is late to this assembly.
1: I do, 100%. Because she had been, been doing some lovely sister duties, hanging out with her lovely brother, uh, who is still institutionalised at this at this point. Yes, still uh, at the Ostro Clinic. Yeah.
0: Um, for yes. his his do we we know why I mean we can find out this episode anyway he had a suicide attempt,
1: yeah no I think that has come up before yeah uh, or at least they've they, if they haven't explicitly said the words it's been hinted enough that it's pretty obvious yeah um but yeah
0: yeah and we learned and this Serena in, um, wants
1: to go to Br- I think this comes up because she wants to go to Brown yeah because her mum went to Brown because again there's that connection that's right yeah. uh, which is also super interesting because Brown is a famous science, very strong science university, research university, which, again, I don't want to judge Serena. Like, I think we see later on in this series, she's actually, like, very studious and, you know, really trying to make the most. But I just don't well, feel like now. science is her passion.
0: No, I don't, I don't think it is either. I feel that she's smart and good at science, but she doesn't care about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this feels like this is the type of university people go to, like, I don't know, like the CNN founder, Ted Turner. Or like the dude, the, the CEO that started Uber, whose name I can't read in my handwriting. Oh, but get... also a really interesting one, Andre Leon Talley, who, an amazing fashion journalist, went to Brown. So maybe that's what she's going for. Maybe she's going to go do French literature like him. That checks yeah, out.
0: As you do, you head to a science school to study French literature.
1: <laughs> maybe they have a very particular niche, strong French literature. I mean, they maybe... produced Andre Leon Talley, so
0: maybe they do i noticed that you don't have any information about who went to dartmouth is it just because you didn't care or-
1: no i have dartmouth as well i just was trying to not be quite as aggressive in my lack of segways no dartmouth uh which this is going to make it a super why nate doesn't want to go and why okay. dan does
0: that's a good that's a good thing because i just <laughs> kind of assumed that Nate just wanted to pick his own path because it's very much when we see him with his dad. His dad's like, we've got three things. You need to focus on Dartmouth, law school, and Blair. And it's like, that's all you're thinking about, Nate. Just do this. Do as I say. Try not to cut me off next time. You know, knock me over to the side of the bench. (laughs) I didn't cut you off. (laughs) I didn't mean to. You went fair and square nothing can make me prouder. Until you get into the old alma mater, that is. (laughs) Dad, <laughs> we talked about this? About me keeping my options open, looking out west? Yeah, of course. Well, let's get serious here. Someone with your grades wants to get into Dartmouth, you need to appear to be working for it. Daddy. Ushering the rep is a good step. How come every time I bring up going to USC, you act like it's a joke? Nate, there's a plan here. Maybe I want to make let's my own. Say, your mother and I didn't work this hard, so you can just make things up as you go along. Dartmouth Law School Blair. Soon you're going to have everything. Listen, I'm late for work. Nail that interview today. Go green. And I feel that anything that that guy says to you, you want to do the opposite. And I thought that was why mm. Nate was like, no, no, I'm not going to go to Dartmouth.
1: No. Well, I mean, possibly. That's probably also part of it. But but Dartmouth is known for its uh, rigorous academics, small class sizes, um, which I can see Dan wanting to really be the intellectual that he is. You know, he loves mm. being a broody, you know, oh. kind of uh, academic
0: But Dan's going to be a... He's a big fish in a small pond in his little school here. If he goes to Dartmouth, he's just going to be an... Okay, this is perfect for Dan. Dan actually needs to understand that he is not special.
1: (laughs) Well, I think as well, because Dartmouth, especially like when I was trying to find like, you know, famous alumni from Dartmouth, it was just a lot of old white dudes. Uh, Like it's very much Why his dad is super like why Nate's dad is super pushy about him going to it because it's that kind of like prestigious school where it's like my father's went there and, you know, you'd be in a room in some hedge fund I don't know, meeting somewhere and they'd all probably go to Dartmouth. But I think for Dan, if he can get in there, it proves that he is part of that and worthy of that, you know, circle. Right, right.
0: Um,
1: The only famous people out there that I recognised were Mindy Carling and Rachel Dratch. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Which doesn't fit anything. Like, they obviously have strengths in comedy writing and all that stuff, but... So um, a A lot of the list. other people... Well, I don't know. I just... They're the only names I recognised. So I was going through, as okay. like I said, it was just a bunch of, like, a lot of business... A lot of people who do business and finance and boring stuff.
0: The usual, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I do like that
0: you say there's a lot of straight white men and they enlisted two women.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're the only ones I care about. Um, Rachel Drutch in particular. Oh, actually, Mini Carling as well. Mini Carling's great as well. They're both great. I'm just a big SNL fan. Um, yeah, but um, to flip onto this, is this just going to become a whole episode discussing actual Ivy League schools?
0: A little bit, yeah, because I I want to talk about universities and role-playing games and D&D and fantasy stuff too. But let's go through the the real-life ones first.
1: Great, because I tried to research that and I didn't have a lot of luck. So I'm very intrigued to have your perspectives. Um, What was the other one? Oh, so why Nate would want to go to, he mentions UCLA a lot. A, very cool university.
0: Is this Berkeley?
1: No, like the University of UCLA. Okay,
0: cool, cool, cool. California.
1: California, Los Angeles? I don't know what it stands for. University of California, Los
0: Angeles campus.
1: Yeah, sure. That's probably it. Uh, I know this from the OC. The what? Never heard of
0: that. You have been having problems with a few other uh, acronyms, so I understand why you wouldn't understand that one.
1: (laughs) Oh, is that like the Orange is the New Black? Is that what that... Yeah, sure. Yeah, Yeah. cool. I've seen that. That was a great show. Uh, UCLA has famous alumni such as James Franco, Ben Stiller, Steve Martin, uh, known Mm -hmm. for its theatre and its film and TV, which uh, I'm not going to spoil things in the future, but this does relate a little bit back to, To you know, Nate's future. And also, get this, though, they're famous for dentistry, which I found really interesting that Steve Martin was alumni and... Oh he my god! Because he played the Harris. dentist in
0: Little Shop of yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting connection. That's also making a lot of sense for Nate because Nate's
1: hmm.
0: key strength is his good looks. Oh, like yeah. He he's not great at other things, hmm. um, and I feel that he might just want to go to UCLA because he could probably get into acting not too difficultly. Yeah. and Teach him how or to do it. Or modeling. Or
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's very pretty for sure. But um, yeah. That's, that's kind of Nate's, Nate's thing. He is pretty, he's nice to look at and a bit dull.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Lovely, lovely person. I Great found it guy. interesting
0: that you didn't mention any of the cast having graduated from any of these, these universities.
1: Well, they didn't come up as notable alumni if they did.
0: Maybe they just, maybe they're not just notable enough. Maybe they still graduated from them. Did you look into Harvard? Because of course Natalie Portman graduated from Harvard. Do you like the way I say Harvard.
1: Harvard. Yeah, I mean, I know the most important, I know the most important Harvard alumni, Elle Woods. Of course. You don't need anything else other than that. She was, she is the best only and, you know, most prolific Harvard alumni that stands.
0: Well, yeah, she just woke up one morning and decided I'm going to go to law school. So when we see Serena getting dressed um, before, like in her flashback as she's running late that we mentioned earlier, why Mm. she was running late. It Mm. does not look like she is a teenager going to school. It looks like she is a university student going to a a dress as a schoolgirl party.
1: Yes. Yes, there is a lot of them that do, like I said, I think I mentioned this last time, like last week. I want to know what the uniform, because coming from someone like I teach at at independent private schools and, you know, making sure that we have people in the correct uniforms is some teachers' favourite slash only job.
0: Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah, well, they have uniforms, I feel, but it is very mm. hit and miss for a show that that prides itself on fashion and a, like clothing and the style and yeah. the, the look of it all. They mm. seem to have just some days where they're like, yeah, we'll just show up in whatever coat we want. And in some days it's like, no, no, you have to have the skirts to this high above the knee and you've got to have a tie mm. and you've got to have a blazer. And Chuck gets away yes. with his scarf for some reason. Oh, my God, I want yes. to strangle him with it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, Serena is guilty a lot of wearing her tie just obscenely incorrectly. Yeah. Like I think there's one one day she wears a tie with like without a collared shirt. Like she's just got some kind of white shirt on and tie. I can't remember where the episode this is, but I remember just thinking. I
0: think it's this one.
1: Why even bother? Just don't wear it, dude. Hun, just take it off. Like it looks more. <laughs> it stands it... out more that you're not wearing a proper uniform when you've just yeah. got a rogue tie a la Avril. Or maybe that's why Avril Levine. That's like 2000 and. Yeah. I, I guess,
0: I think that's the look they were trying to put her in. Certainly this episode, mm. when she's got the shirt, like she's got the shirt unbuttoned and the tie, like halfway down mm. her chest, like undone, yeah. like tied, but, but loose. Mm. Yeah. You can tell that the shirt she has on does not actually tie, like to go up to the neck. That mm. this is no way a shirt that you wear a tie with, unless you're wearing it mm. exactly the way Serena does. It I yeah. feel it might just be like a, like a polo shirt or something. It's certainly not a shirt that needs a tie. It's not a dress yeah. shirt. And it is a very lax uniform, except when it, uh, when the plot requires it not to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much.
0: So when she shows up uh, in this uniform, just kind yeah. of running to school, basically, I'm not sure what time this school starts, because she must know she's late. She runs into Dan and just like coming out of the hall, and, they, and she's like...
1: Please don't tell me it's over.
0: What? You were there. I would say it's pretty over.
1: I meant the assembly.
0: Oh, right. No, yeah, no. It just ended. Now. Damn it. Anyway, good luck. Oh. Yeah, that's got to hurt so Dan. So awkward. Yeah. So awkward. Yeah. It's very clear what is on Dan's mind for the most part. It's mm. a, it's not schooling and assemblies. Uh, mm. I love Blair's little snark at her as well. Do you remember what Blair says?
1: Not exactly. Oh, too bad you missed the assembly. Not
0: that it matters. Brown doesn't offer degrees in slut. My immediate right. reaction was, yeah, but you could do it as a minor at Cornell.
1: <laughs> not, yeah, how come they're allowed to use the word slut, but they can't, like, swear? That's always fascinated me with, uh, that's, that's a, again, this is an aside, just in terms of censors. I, I always get like, how come you can say that but you can't say shit?
0: We will get. We can
1: uh, on this podcast.
0: We can. We can say whatever we want on this podcast. We can say that the problems of the American uh, censorship board are huge and problematic. <laughs> I would say hmm. because they are very much saying that slut is a bad thing and they are shaming somebody who is seen as a slut. So this little interchange or exchange I should say between um, Blair and Serena is essentially set up so that we know that they are still clashing that they're what mm. like, I mean it's it's been 2 days since Frenemies. Blair yeah it's been 2 days since Blair figured out that that Nate fucked Serena 6 months ago mm. and basically cheated mm. on his cheated on Blair with with Serena it's like yes of course uh. they're still fighting either way when we jump to um, the next scene with them playing hockey together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course they play hockey. like so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course this school has hockey. And probably I'm surprised they don't have a cross, honestly, uh, except they have that They probably that as
1: do well. for the boys. The boys probably do. Yeah. Oh, I so because this, yeah, this checks out. As I was say, it reminds me of the Regina George. You know when Regina George yes. comes out for Mean Girls? It's very much that same energy.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where there's same, just that.
1: Same aesthetic
0: Yeah, very type A personality teen girl who has a lot of unbridled fury at different things. Mm. And it feels like hockey in particular is a way of um, releasing a lot of that aggression, uh, Mm. which we see a number of times in this (laughs) in this sequence as Serena keeps trying to talk to Blair. Which is so so poorly done. It's like you're running next to someone. Hey, now I better try and explain my side of the story. And every time she tries to, Blair just fucking smacks her. Just like hip checks her, shoulder checks her, trips her. Um, Not even subtly either. She's deliberately doing it. And this is where the refs just like green card, yellow card. It's like I'm running out of colors, Blair. Yeah. Like I'm gonna have to send you off if you keep doing it. This obviously. And Serena's yeah. response this time, in after she Blair gets the yellow card and just gives this grin like butter would not melt in her mouth, there's this little little bounce from side to side, It's like ha I'm winning. Serena just goes fuck this and tackles her, yeah. just like almost a clothesline, just a huge smash, knocking her to the ground. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Brilliant. awesome. It is awesome. Brilliant. Blair does it's a pretty good fight. Cat fight. Yeah, it is classic catfight. Yeah, of course oh, and, she does. And sport miniskirts as well.
1: Yes, yes, and very thick belts.
0: Yes, very, for some very reason,
1: obtusely chunky belts for a PE lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't.
0: I don't know what that's about. How, it's just cool. it is, It's
1: just fashion, Jeremy. It's just fashion. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is the. This is where the uniforms um, uh, are top notch. The the chunky belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. but yeah Blair gives a pretty good showing in this she's not she's not just letting Serena win here no. um,
1: she's probably got a razor blade somewhere on a person like, oh for if sure if she wanted to she could definitely go next level
0: yeah and once once um you know the fight's been they've been pulled apart and um, they're just kind of standing nose to nose as of course they would be uh, Serena's mm-hmm. like cool can we have a truce now like fine and Blair then fakes an injury. It's like, oh, no, I'm so hurt. Ow, look what she did mm. to me. It's like, this is the Blair that I'm actually really enjoying seeing, just this incredibly yeah. petty, manipulative little girl. Mm.
1: Yeah, very it's aware great. of what they're doing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and everyone around her is aware of what's happening, but it's like on the very slight chance that she's not faking it, we need to go through the the process of... Yeah, they need to
1: make half her, her mum is Eleanor... I was going to say Eleanor Eleanor It's not Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> Blair <laughs> <Walter>. Roosevelt. Blair <laughs> Roosevelt. Uh, wow. She travelled through you
0: know,
1: time. Yeah. Maybe I stopped, we started watching a different show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would love to see 1800s Gossip Girl, by the way. If someone wants to do like a historical take on this show set in like early 1800s, year, like we're well, not year oldie, but.
0: Is that not the you know, Scarlet even, like the,
1: the Emma Stone movie?
0: That's ECA, but the one that it's based oh. on, yes.
1: <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure that's set in modern day times. Like, I don't watched a lot of movies, but I'm pretty sure that's a regular high school that Emma Stone attends. Oh, is that not called? Okay, it's called the A. Great. Yeah, it's called
0: easy. Well, it's called A in Australia. I'm not sure what it's on called overseas. Yeah,
1: it's probably called the Scarlet Letter. That's probably where I'm going to get confused from.
0: Anyway, <laughs> Gossip Girl Did in the you 1800s. Just me have
1: that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can have that one. Uh, gossip Girl in the 1800s would be pretty cool, actually. Mm. Um, it would yeah. be more realistic. I would be interested to see how everyone would sneak around and instead of a blog, so it's just someone nailing a list of all the, the gossip to a church door or something like that. Martin Maybe Luther, Gossip anonymously Girl. at
1: night. Or like you wake up the next morning and you've got like a parchment under your like door that has, you know, who's been doing who and like ousting people for stealing sheep.
0: And no one would figure out it's the one person with a printing press.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 the major flaw to overcome very early on in its inception. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, Very, very big flaw. But we could overcome it. I mean, Gossip Girl overcomes a lot of stuff. They overcome the fact that Dan Humphries is Gossip Girl. So I think we could overcome that if we were going to make this our homebrew, you know, System. Yeah.
0: I feel that we need to like have a have a jingle for all those moments when when um Dan does something that is so very obviously he's not gossip girl or even when he's so very obviously <laughs> gossip girl just like that that oh that's right he's gossip girl. And if there was a jingle it would probably sound something like this. But he'll spread rumors about it any way he can. Well, that's right, he's got a girl. Well, I don't know if you heard, but Dan is poor. Hangs around the rich cause something toxin' in the jaw. But that ain't enough, so he calls one a whore. Well, that's right, he's got a girl. Dan is a nice guy, wouldn't hurt a dove But he get real mean when push comes to shove Borderline sociopath who did it for love That's right, he's a gossip girl That's right, he's a gossip girl Thank God he's a gossip girl That's a good segue, unless you've got anything else to say about the hockey scene
1: Uh... I mean, on a personal level, I've got a lot to say about it, but I think, I don't think the viewers need to know about my personal feelings about that scene in terms of the just overall looks. Um, It was great. Uh, It was a very enjoyable scene.
0: Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, Unless it relates to RPGs in any way, I mean, sure. No, Uh, it does not. Then we will go from the introduction of the Dan Humphreys' Gossip Girl jingle to Dan Humphreys' interview with uh, the school Mm. board, the dean or whoever he is, the... uh, School, adult, teacher, male, um, to why he should be the Dartmouth, Dartmouth usher. Uh, that's right. usher, oh my, the called oh ushers. Yeah. Oh, my God, he is pretentious. It's <laughs> like, why, sh, why should I be the usher? Well, let me answer that in three parts. And he, like, goes huh. through. And it's like, Dartmouth has always been a dream of mine. And you know what? I think it's been dreaming of me, too. And why should you be the Dartmouth usher? Well, I've given this a lot of thought and I think I can answer your question in three parts. And I'd like to start with the third part first, if it's cool, unless uh, that would be confusing, in which case I can start at the beginning. (laughs) Um, The Dartmouth principles of community highlight integrity, responsibility, and consideration. Uh, Well, from St. Jude's, I've learned integrity. From being an older brother, I have learned responsibility. And from my parents, who have sacrificed everything to send me to this school, I've learned consideration. It really comes down to one thing. Dartmouth is my
1: dream. And I've never asked Dartmouth, but
0: I think it's been dreaming of me. That that was a joke or an attempted one. And I feel that it's meant to be like Dan verbal diarrhea that he does sometimes but it comes off as such a such a tool
1: no i think he's rehearsed it a lot i think he has said that into a mirror a lot i got that feeling i got it less that he was on the spot and more that like he's thought about this he thinks this is exceptionally funny and witty as most teenagers do uh they're like well this is going to be sound very adult and like Uh, but yeah, it does come across very toolish. He, yeah. he does come across pretentious. But that's what he wants to be. He wants to be pretentious.
0: Well, he'll be fitting with Dartmouth then, won't he? Zing! Yeah. I got him. I got him. Got everyone from Dartmouth <laughs> right then.
1: <laughs> to it's all great. our Dartmouth listeners, we apologise. That's
0: right. Meek apologises. <laughs> sure I, I stand I'm sure by my comment, thoughts. Dartmouth.
1: You don't want to. You don't want to upset Dartmouth.
0: That's true. Ted Turner went there. Was it Ted Turner? If, I can't yeah. remember. Nate's interview goes much better, in my opinion, than Dan's because Nate's like, hey, I don't want to go to Dartmouth. I mean, I could get into Dartmouth um, because mm. of, like, my dad and all the other things, and I've got a heap of money, but I feel mm. that someone more worthy, some if there's another, if someone else got a better opportunity at Dartmouth, they should take him mm. instead of me, which... Yeah, that's nice of you Nate. You have no fucking idea. You are most, you are most definitely going to Dartmouth, even though you've made this comment because you were saying it to a teacher at your school, not to mm. anyone at Dartmouth.
1: No,
0: I mean, t- he's, he's he's talking sweet, about the usher such position. Such
1: a sweet boy. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's yeah,
1: but he yeah. knows he knows that Dan wants it. I think he's overheard a comment. There's some there's some clues Probably. there at the start of the episode that he knows that Dan wants
0: it yeah he certainly get, like gets the idea yeah. in the next scene uh, because yeah. after after Nate's interview we see Chuck's and Chuck's reasoning for being made the usher for, for Yale is why should I be chosen to be an usher I'm Chuck Bass he's such a tool He's such a tool. The number of times if I was his teacher, I would just be like, no, nah, get the fuck out of my class. It'd be like the scene in In Ten Things I mm-hmm. Hate About You, where it's just like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Pipe down, shut you. I do not care until, about you, Chuck Bass.
1: Yeah, you say that until as you're about to say that to that student, and then you look out through the window and notice the bass library looking at you, yeah. followed by the bass like hockey court over there. And you're like, Oh, that's right. This I can't say a single word to this child. Because
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Otherwise, they will tell their father. What's Draco Malfoy? I'll. Oh, my, my father will hear, will hear, hear of this.
0: this. Yeah. That uh, That yes. is fair. Then again, I probably would not be working at either of these schools.
1: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to teach a Constance Billard. Constance Billard, <laughs> if you're real and you need a teacher, I'll take it. It would,
0: it would be very interesting. Now, yeah. I, bringing it back to RPGs, the actual purpose of this podcast. Yes. I feel this. How would you feel about this scene in a game that you were running where you kind of have these interviews one on one with a player um, mm. and do little little semi role play with it? I feel yeah. it actually kind of be a really fun element to, rather than mm-hmm. them all as a group try to get into somewhere, um, yes. actually have them one on one and be like, you've got to convince this NPC why yeah. you're allowed into the building or why. Why your party should be accepted into this this I want to say prison into this palace?
1: Yeah, I've done this once before. Not in a separate, oh. not like where I took people one on one outside the table or anything. Yeah. But we said they were they something had happened and they'd been involved. Like I think it was a robbery where mm. they actually went to stop it, but when by the time guards and stuff got there, they were the ones found. And so I said to them, "We're going to all I'm going to interview each of you." And you're going to answer some questions and then I'll decide the DC based on their answers. Cause it also came to like, it was me, like how good, you note taking, how do you remember, who do you like, you know, making sure you get names, correct, making sure that your stories kind of line up and whether they could convince the police that they were in fact innocent or guilty. Uh, so the dice roll still came into it. Cause even people who did quite well, like you know if you rolled low, well, it just maybe came across that you were super nervous and like you were saying the right yeah. things, but your eyes were just darting everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. It was super fun. Cause they got really stressed. Because yeah. some people didn't take any notes.
0: So <laughs> so it works you know. really well. Um, and people should yeah. do it if they get the opportunity. Uh, if you can find yeah. a way to bring it in, do it. Yeah. Uh, and then you uh, have kind of the yeah. results almost immediately where the next scene is them getting, you know, who gets, who's on the, who's been chosen for each usher. And Dan yes. got nothing. My
1: favorite. No. Because Dan's poor. Yeah, This is one of my favourite tropes as well. Any American good movie that has like a, a sign going up and a bunch of students all crowding around. Yeah,
0: because so. that's what you I've
1: never do. had that happen in my schooling life ever.
0: I oh have and I can't remember what it was about. It might have been for a sports team. Um, oh. And it was more of a case of, oh, yeah, that's going up at lunchtime. So I guess we we're walking past. We'll check it out. But it yeah. certainly wasn't for – it's usually for plays, I find. is plays or student government or results, I find because the best way to prevent competition and um, mm. dangerous rivalries between students is to put it up where everybody can see it and see your rankings mm. compared to everybody else.
1: That's, um, a, yeah, really that's a really way way good confidence booster. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Definitely for yeah. those lower students because if your name's not mm. on there, clearly you did really well.
1: Mm. Mm. Yes, all of those things.
0: It's certainly something that happens in a lot of anime as well. With, um, with Japanese mm-hmm. high schools. I don't know whether that's a real thing either, but-
1: Or is that just saying they've adapted from what they've seen in American culture?
0: I don't know. Do it, feels, it feels like it's actually, it happens often enough that it may be a real thing, that it's like, rather than just handing your essays back, I'm just gonna put your rankings up there because that's a lot less work for me.
1: Fair,
0: fair. I mean, it would be easier. This is why I find it ridiculous in a private school in particular, because would you not just call the people who have been chosen into your office again and just say, mm-hmm. you received the Yale thing, you received the Dartmouth thing, rather than just put it up. Yeah. Everybody got it. Everyone knows now.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only downside with that is you wouldn't have two people just happen to look at the same time, one having got the role that the other one wanted and then an awkward dialogue ensuing afterwards. It is I'm uh, not saying that that's why. I'm not saying that it was a device used for you know exposition
0: but it is a it is a very um very awkward little scene uh that happens between nate and dan uh and yeah. dan gets his little socialist hat on it's like you just got it because you're uh, rich and how many how many library wings did your father have to pay for uh yeah, exactly which you know what it's it's probably fair <laughs> i love that nate is so he's beautiful himbo boy in this scene mm. he's just like uh, and Dan's giving him advice and saying, like, do have you even read the book that the the Dartmouth representative's done? He's like, He's an author? Like Yeah. Oh, huh. It's yeah. it's so wonderful.
1: Yeah.
0: But you can see yeah. as as Dan's like storming off, you can see the little cogwheels inside Nate's head just ticking over and he's like, Huh, I think he wants to go to Dartmouth instead. Yeah.
1: Bless. But he does go, He, you know, you can see though Nate wants to try and do the right thing after he gets that he role. Does. He does try and, you know, bless him. Bless Nate.
0: He does. He does. Nate's, Nate's good deep down. Um, he is. Yeah. Uh, and so Serena, actually, when Dan runs into her after his little storm off, deep down. Um <laughs> She she tries to encourage him and be like, Hey, it's not that bad. You're still a really smart guy. You're a really nice guy, all that kind of stuff. Do I still have a shot, maybe? I don't know what can't remember how they actually ended things. Either way. <laughs> and and he kind of points out, Well, didn't your parents go to Brown and and other places? Are you not just going to be able to get in because you are also rich? And she has uh, to kind of agree with that. Uh, um like she doesn't really have a a leg to a stand on those ones. Yeah. No. Um, so he leaves again because that's kind of mm-hmm. what Dan does a lot of the time it, a lot of these scenes do seem to end with somebody storming off it's like that wasn't
1: a lot that's, that's you know that's appropriate of adolescence
0: it's true melodrama when, is when a... one
1: can't when one can't quite you know vocalise or you know their, their, what, their feelings or emotions you go yeah communicate yeah. that's the word they physicalise them <laughs> in the inability of... to
0: remember the word communicate is, is telling in this situation <laughs>
1: I swear I do good words sometimes.
0: Reading helps your English speaking good.
1: I know. Which I don't do enough of anymore. And it's now showing. Oh. Um
0: so yeah. did off. we want to yeah. talk
1: What well, before we get into the or maybe we will talk about this later, but like I do really want to because I was trying to find what the Feyrun, for example, you know, what what's the Feyrun Yale?
0: Oh right. Um, yeah. What's
1: the but I couldn't really find like obviously when we think about schools of magic in terms of D&D, we think about necromancy, you know, divination, yeah. blah blah blah, all that stuff. But there's and I know Strixhaven's coming out soon, which is, but that's a Magic: The Gathering school, I believe. That is but a Magic: I'm not The Gathering down with the school. MTG stuff. So it's um, not Feyrune Law or Forgotten Realms Law.
0: No, no, I feel that the Forgotten Realms doesn't have too many actual schools. Uh, Eberron has mm. Margrave University uh, in Shan, which is like the big, essentially. I guess, the the Harvard. Uh, I don't think they've got too many other universities. And that's really set up for you have an academic that then says, oh, I found this map. And it seems like there's some sort of ancient archaeological treasure. I'll send the party out to go and get it uh, sort of thing. Or they found Uh... some sort of old prophecy from the dragons. So Eberron certainly has one because Eberron is kind of that steampunky 1920s feel to it. You get universities in other role-playing games and D&D. Things like Call of Cthulhu features Mm. universities heavily because a Mm. lot of, well, with um, with Lovecraft writing about New England and Massachusetts and that whole area quite often, there was Miskatonic University, which was kind of one of the Ivy League schools. So you can have a lot of university students doing a lot of these investigations. And something like Kids on Brooms is essentially Harry Potter the role-playing game. Uh, yes. where you have a magical school that all the, the characters are going to, which is a really cool game. You guys should check it out. It's kids on bikes, but with brooms instead of bikes.
1: I guess in the new Magics and Misfits, the new Dimension 20 series as well is set in Fogwarts, faux Hogwarts, or I can't remember what they've called Fogwarts. it.
0: Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to watch more of this show because it's very, very good. Uh, I've only seen yes. the first episode so far. But, yeah, there's in no... Sense d and I feel, because of the way magic is often treated, there isn't really a institutionalised learning aspect to it. It is a bit mm. more you learn because you are able to do it and you just kind of teach yourself or you find one mentor and you learn directly from them. Um, and yeah. it's very much the Sith idea of there are only two you learn from your mentor and then eventually that mentor dies or wanders off or is killed by so you've got tragic backstory before you go adventuring and (laughs) you never take a mentee on later and we see this in in classic stories about D&D that Tasha from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything um is essentially Baba Yaga's adopted daughter and is trained by Mm. Baba Yaga the the witch of of Russian mythology Uh, The Hag, yeah, the Hag of Wrath and yeah. And she goes through and learns from different people through her life. That it mm. is kind of master-apprentice sort of setup, rather than you're going yeah. to charms now, you're going to transmutation now. Mm. And I think if you're going to do that, it's a really great idea because there's all these great ways of having adventures with magic rung amok. But I feel that there is the one problem with leveling. Though when you're playing yeah. an RPG or when you're playing D&D, and you're using magic, you quickly become more powerful than even the teachers very, very yes. fast.
1: Yeah. Well, see, I like to think, like, cause, because my homebrew world, I said, it, is, I I guess, based off Gossip Girl. Well, it's not based off Gossip Girl, but it's that idea of classism and looking at, you know, what happens when the wealthy can achieve one thing and the rest of the people are left not to be able to and what's yeah. the discourse there. Uh, I do have magic schools that, but again, so if you want to become a wizard, for example, only people that come from nobility can become wizards because they are the only ones that can afford to, sit like this, like send their kids to the Yale of, you know, Ambrosia. But, They're the only ones that know, can, can afford obviously... the
0: paper that they need to write all the, the notes yes, and the Yes, the and the gold of the... Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, ex- absolutely. Uh, whereas the, but there are still people that exist that are fey-touched or that are sorcerers or, you know, make packs with, hmm. you know, other deities and stuff. So it's not to say that there aren't just regular people out there that can also do magic, like enchanters and things. Uh, I've also got a whole, like, (laughs) I've got a whole, like, this will be a shock to you, a whole, like, Bardic town village that used to have an arts school uh, that has since, unfortunately, been (laughs) decimated. Uh, Yeah, take out the arts first.
0: The funding (laughs) was cut. It wasn't a dragon attack (laughs) or anything. The government just said, yeah, we're not going to need that during a pandemic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, essentially, guys, it's not essential. We're going to let that go.
0: I, in the homebrew world that I'm currently building, I'm stealing this idea directly from the new new Naomi Novik trilogy, uh, the Scholomance books, which are amazing and basically set in a magical school like this. Uh, in the, the novels, the idea is that this was a magical school kind of like Hogwarts that got set up to protect the children from all the monsters that live and feed off magical creatures because as a child, you're not actually that powerful and you don't know how to do it. Over oh. the centuries, the school has become... Dangerous. And now it's a little bit more, you get sent in and you've got to hope to survive to graduation because graduation is just this running the gauntlet to the gates and hoping you'll get there and nothing kills you. Jeez. And I decided to do this in my game in a similar way that if you want to learn magic above a certain level, you have to go to a place called the spire. And that's Mm -hmm. whether it's sorcerers, artificers, warlocks, well, not warlocks actually, wizards, if you want to learn magic, Professionally, You have to go there. Yeah. And at some point in the last hundred years, a massive storm swept through. And things have started to change recently that books aren't where they're, they're supposed to be and mimics are attacking people and monsters seem mm-hmm. to have gotten in. And no one has really actually twigged on that something in the school has gone evil uh, yeah, until right. people start to get killed. And I've left it open. I don't know why I'm leaving it open because it's my fucking universe i can do whatever i want and i can know what happens (laughs) it's unclear whether it's something like a mind flayer that's feeding on people or whether it's like a a devil or a demon that has taken over and is like but i'm drawing them in and i will own their souls and i just want it to be hey here's something cool that you could do because i feel that schools i don't know whether it's something to do with D &D and rpgs they are primed for evil adventures that something has gone wrong
1: I mean, I could make a very large and generalist statement here, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak from this from my own personal experience. School, not, not a great not a great time for, for me. Uh, so if I can go back and, you know, fight some kind of evil in a school, there's definitely a part of me that's healing from that about, you know, taking away the evilness that was adolescence in high school. Um, I'm not going to say that other people who enjoy the hobby, you know, found it difficult through high school. I
0: would, Yeah, I would say yes. I feel that there's a lot of lot of RPGs that tie in with schools in different ways. We've talked about Monster Hearts before, that mm. Monster Hearts is very much about teenagers and the changes people can go through, in this case, becoming monsters. But it yeah. is very much set at a school. And kids on bikes, again, mm. can have a school as part of it. Kids on brooms will have a, a school on it. And Strixhaven... Yeah. The, the setting that's coming out yes. probably around the time this episode's going to air, to tell the truth, um, is about adventures in a school as well, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think you're alone in that regard. I feel that it's just a matter yeah. of the rules and the setting fitting uh, the, the aspect of it.
1: Yeah. I think it's just a nice place to revisit, though, in a role-playing thing because you can go back and do the things that maybe you didn't get to do, you know, in... Back in the day, yeah. uh, you can, you know, have friends and you can have adventures and you can, yeah, live the heroic life.
0: If role playing is about wish fulfillment, I feel you don't even have to do it when, uh, years later, you can do it when you're in the school and you can make that teacher that makes you take off your, your Buddhist necklace, turn them <laughs> into the evil villain and have them <laughs> slaughtered halfway through the adventure.
1: Well, don't tell me that because I teach kids how to play d and and now I'm worried that one of them is going to go off and make a homebrew world where I'm the BBEG.
0: That'd be horrible. Make you, they might make you where you're the creator goddess.
1: <gasps> Maybe I'm a deity.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to ask the kids on Monday.
0: I, I think it would be my, awesome my if somebody God made me world? a villain. That's so. <laughs> do it. If somebody made me a villain in their game, that would be amazing.
1: As a like, as an NPC style situation. Yeah. I can't imagine you as a villain, Jeremy.
0: What would your
1: villainous villainous power be?
0: Well, if I tell you then, I'm not going to be able to take over the world because you'll understand my weakness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so close to your kryptonite. So close.
0: I know. I saw what you were doing there. Uh, Speaking speaking of uh, people seeing what they were doing, Blair has a plan. That's going back like to Gossip the episode Girl. that Gossip we were talking Girl. about, Gossip Girl. That's
1: right, Gossip Girl. Got it, got it. Well, i yeah.
0: um, Gossip Girl does have a plan. Gossip Girl has a plan. Yep. I say Blair has a plan mm. that mm. she has called Chuck, um, who yes. is a little upset that he missed out on the cat fight between Blair and Serena, uh, mm. which is fair. Aren't we all? Yeah. And I mean, if we're missing out on that, then we missed out on the showers afterwards where they made up a little bit, so we won't get into that at all. <laughs> Uh, that, I feel that's what um, look, when Chuck does it, it's creepy. When I do it, it's cute <laughs> okay.
1: whatever helps to sleep at night.
0: <laughs> Either way, Chuck or oh, sorry, Blair wants to Blair wants Chuck to find out why what happened hmm. with Serena. Where was she? Yes, which she kind of knows already, but why did she have to come back to New York? And she seems to think that Chuck is going to be the best person to do this, simply because it seems like she has her two little sidekicks, who I still don't know the names of, um, you who would, yeah, who probably would ask a lot of questions, and then they've got power over Blair, and that's not what Blair wants. She can't ask Nate because Nate's not allowed to talk to Serena, and Nate is a big mm. dumb puppy dog that would just go up to Serena and go, hey, what happened? Uh, so mm. Chuck is the one that is uh, chosen to find out. And I, I like this. We're starting to get a bit more of a relationship between Chuck and Blair. And a lot of the time in the show so far, they've been paired together. We'll see shots of them standing beside each other or in profile and kind of, so there's a little bit of a, they a dark mirror of each other. Mm, yeah. Uh, so yep. I like to see that we're shown that connection now that there's a reason mm. why they work well together and that they have similar viewpoints of the world. Yes. So that's a little melodramatic, but not as much as Dan's entrance into the Humphreys loft in Brooklyn, <laughs> where he just storms through the kitchen, ignores what Rufus is cooking, because, of course, Rufus is cooking, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. flops down on his bed. And Rufus goes to to check on him as a good dad would. Good dad Rufus mm-hmm. is the, the new hashtag yeah. for this episode.
1: Great.
0: Um, and... Dan's complaining about how dumb Nate is, how Nate got the spot that what was it. he mm. if he, he had an original thought last year and had died of loneliness. It's like, <laughs>
1: that's... And this is where we go, ah, that's why you're Gossip Girl. I see it now. Yeah. I see yeah. it.
0: Yeah, that, make, that track. Because that's really mean to Nate, who has actually only been nice to to Dan so far. Yeah.
1: Even though when they were both waiting for Serena in that last episode, like both of them, Nate wasn't all you know. Like Nate was like, "Oh, hey man,
0: yeah, why are you waiting for weird?" Yeah, yeah, and say Nate's Nate's nice. He's dull and boring and nice. And well, it's a it's a shame that um, and Dan does kind of realize that he's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. I'm being sulky because of stupid Dartmouth and and things. Yeah, Um, because I'm
1: poor and I won't get to Dartmouth.
0: That's right. So he tells, he tells Rufus, look, I, I'll just deal with it. I'm just going to sit here in my lonely little loft in Brooklyn where I've got no prospects whatsoever uh, and, and handle it myself. And Rufus gets a bit of a wake-up call because Jenny says something similar as well, that um, yeah. the Humphreys aren't exactly royalty uptown. And yeah. Rufus is just like, well, are you okay with that? And Jenny's like, no, of course not. But I'm used to it. Mm. So There's this whole
1: argument of, you know, sending them to quote unquote a better school. Is it actually the best thing for them in that context? Like, is it actually benefiting them? Yeah. To what extent?
0: Yeah. It's like if you're sending them there to network and have a better opportunity, but everyone hates them and. Dan in particular, not making any friends, which is kind of the purpose mm-hmm. of a lot of these these Ivy League schools, to have a network of people you know who will then help you out later on. If he doesn't do that, then what's the point? It's just a slip of paper that you could spend a lot less money on. Uh, and he can yeah. actually get by on his actual talent, which he seems to have a bit of. I mean, he set up a, a Gossip Girl website all by himself. So he doesn't seem to have any sort of coding experience.
1: <laughs> it's actually just a MySpace page. They just, they just block that out every... <laughs> <laughs> Every episode to make it look more published.
0: Uh, so Chuck puts his plan into action of um, watching, mm-hmm. finding out what Serena is doing, which apparently means stalking her in a limo.
1: Yeah, which is uber sus. Like he's not at a distance that it's not, unless Serena just is so blasé about limousines because that's her life.
0: I just assume she has AirPods. To be at this
1: in. moment, <laughs> Does she, actually, I think she might be listening to music. But even still, you would. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't actually. I was gonna say you would still notice a limousine tracking like twenty feet behind you, but
0: yeah, and it's not like—I mean, it is New York streets. I think at some point cars just kind of idle along because they're not really going anywhere, and it's just traffic Mm. is really slow, which is also impressive that the street effect is clear enough that this limo can just follow one girl down the sidewalk.
1: Yeah, it's because he's Chuck Bass.
0: I love that. I love that the driver obviously just assumes this is something that Chuck does. Pretty often, stalker woman, just like driving along really creepily and slowly after her. And they're like, "Yes, Mister Bass, of course, Mister Bass."
1: <laughs> Regular Thursday, Mister Bass. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, he no. sees her go into the Ostroff Treatment Center, where um, mm. where Eric is being kept. Uh, which yes. is yeah. Um, and when when he t- well, he takes photos of her too, which is even creepier. Yeah. Uh, and reports them back to Blair, who because he a makes better... some
1: assumptions. He does.
0: He always makes assumptions. And, it's kind and of you know slow. what
1: happens when you assume something without checking it?
0: Yeah, you make a um, ass out of you an umption.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so bad! I took psychic damage for that. <laughs> I took psychic damage for that. I'm so um, gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna force that on my kids next week. They're going to hate it. It's going to be so good. I would like to thank Samuel L.
0: Jackson in The Long Kiss Goodnight for that line.
1: Just. Okay, see, see, this is great. You don't even have to put that disclaimer in because I have watched so few films and have such a small media knowledge. I will never know.
0: Always give Samuel L. Jackson credit. Always give Samuel (laughs) L. Jackson motherfucking credit when he's he's earned it. (laughs)
1: Okay, yes, sorry.
0: So I, I really enjoy this scene as well. I'm enjoying a lot of Blair scenes in this episode, to tell the truth. That's
1: because Blair's great.
0: That's true. Blair is great.
1: I want Blair to be my deity. I want to, <laughs> I want to follow the college of Blairness.
0: I mean, yeah, I can see that working. Blair is a deity. Uh, she can be the god of... Okay, Blair is Aphrodite in a number of different different mythologies. Works really well to tell the truth, because there is a little bit of manipulation and jealousy in a lot of what Blair does. Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah. she and Chuck are going through the photos and explaining. He explains what the um, what the Ostrov uh, Institute's for. Uh, Basically, mm-hmm. what it, I think he says it's um, for the the disturbed or the Drive. addicted.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which. Yeah, Blair yeah. comes back with, so there's probably a whole Chuck Bass wing. <laughs> and this this is kind of why I love her in this scene because she's still in the school uniform, which tracks because she feels very much like a teen girl here. Mm. That she's just kind of acting out without any information, but also when Chuck gets a little bit sleazy, she's very aware that there's a boy in her room. And mm. yeah, there's... I I believed her as a 16 year old teenager who thinks she knows everything. yeah um, yeah and a, but also able to shut Chuck down when he's creepy about it and just kind yeah. of fed up with his ridiculously crass bullshit.
1: Yeah and yeah, and, and this is kind of I guess hinting at what might possibly maybe come in the future, but the idea that and Chuck seems to respect Blair for that as yeah.
0: well. the yeah, fact that's that true. she's
1: one of the few people who actually calls him out on his bullshit yeah uh yeah
0: yeah that he he does he's creepier with Serena he, like he tries to sexually assault serena' on, but yeah. Chuck, but Blair's like get out you we're done here, yeah. And he's like, all right, cool, that okay. he yes Mom, yeah, kind of he's like, oh, you can <laughs> repay me later, and it is this is how Chuck flirts to me, mm. like he is I mean, we saw it with Jenny that he does kind of flirt in the same way. But Blair doesn't care Mm. that she doesn't say, Chuck, you're gross. Chuck, you're disgusting. All those kind of things. She's just like, Mm. I don't have time for you. You're whatever. We're done here. You need to go now. Um,
1: Maybe deep down. No, maybe there's maybe it's to quote Beauty and the Beast. Maybe there's something there that wasn't there before. Like syphilis. No, no. I said Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Don't ruin Disney. I've had enough
0: things I've had enough Disney ruined. That's
1: all right. That's a whole
0: other podcast. That that's I'm a, sure that's a whole sees. other podcast. Speaking of ruining things, um mm. Eric's not allowed out. This is why uh Serena was at the, the Ostroff Institute. It was family therapy session. And mm-hmm. yeah, she and Lily are arguing backwards and forwards, saying that Eric should be allowed out. You know, for all mm. these different reasons, we're hiding him here. Lily's like, he's not ready yet, which is fair; he probably isn't. And the therapist says, mm. maybe we should hear what Eric has to think, has to say.
1: Yeah, and he's <laughs> like,
0: oh, oh, I get, I get to. Wow, thanks. And I, I wanted to smack him upside the head on that one. It's like the therapist is trying to help you, you little shit. <laughs> Like you, you can be snarky, your sister and your mother, all you want. The therapist is actually on your side and trying to fight, is giving you a voice in this situation. not The other two are the ones trying to shut you up. The therapist is helping you. So you watch your fucking mouth when she talks to you.
1: Yeah. But you know, as someone who's, you know, been, you know, in lockdown for over, what is it now, 200 something days, I get the feeling that sometimes, you know what, Sometimes you just maybe not have the best day. And sometimes you do snap at people that try to help you. because It's true. You've been inside for too long.
0: Yeah. That, that, okay. I'll give you that. He is locked up without uh, his consent, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Eric. Yeah. And, and he does, they say what he wants to do. He wants to go home, but he is yeah. also aware that he might not be ready yet. And mm. this is where I start to like Eric as a character too, because he is very aware of his own his own mental health and his own capabilities hmm. yeah. that he 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 wants to get out. He wants to go home, but this is helping. And I yeah. think this is kind of a key scene that he just wants to be included in the conversation about himself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He doesn't want to be in between his mum and his sister or yeah. Yeah. That
0: kind of stuff. And this is kind of, well, going back to RPGs, this is the importance of agency with characters hmm. that you give – if you take away the agency of a player character, they stop having fun.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, this is why people hate railroading. Yeah. This is why that we have dexterity saves. If you just go, nope, you failed, you're dead, the fireball kills you all. No one is having fun with that. If you yeah. go, roll the dice. Oh, you got a one? You're dead. The fireball kills you all. But yeah. there was that potential. You rolled the dice. It wasn't me rolling the dice. Yeah. It was your agency that did that. Yeah. So and that, your choice
1: that puts you in the path of Fireball for whatever reason. Which oh, might a, not have been your fault, in all honesty. It was probably the wizard again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it usually is. It usually is. He just very
1: quietly goes, oh, guys, fireball. fireball. And then casts Fireball. And you're like, no, no, no one heard that. No, that? that you you did not try to. I tried to warn you. You did not. Next, you time really
0: I, next time I play a game where there's a wizard in the party, I'm just going to be handing them notes that just say Fireball with a question mark on it every single time. <laughs> So what are you doing this round? Is it going to be fireball? Because that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This room is just the right size.
0: Yeah, it always is. Strangely enough, for some reason, all of the rooms I designed in my dungeon are just the right size for a fireball.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So Serena has the idea that if maybe Eric could come to Ivy Week, come to this party that's being held just as a, a test case. It means he gets out of the, the Institute. He comes back afterwards and Eric is stoked. He's so happy uh-huh. with this idea because he gets to go outside. So far, I think we've yeah. only seen him outside when Serena snuck him out to go shopping. And um, that's yes. kind of it. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like Lily's going to agree. Um, I, yeah, we'll get into Lily another episode. I have a lot of thoughts about Lily at the moment, which uh, Rufus does too. Because he's in the next scene. Yes. He's shown yes. up at the school. I, I love this as well because Rufus shows up and he is mm-hmm. very determined to make sure that Dan gets to be at this party and preferably yes. be an usher. And he runs into the school wow. and he sees some random woman coming down the stairs and he says, I want to talk to you about Dan Humphrey. And I'm like leave this poor nice secretary alone (laughs) you have no indication that this has she has any control over who gets Mm. to be ushers and who gets to involved in this ivy week party at all you have just walked in and talked to the first adult you have seen Mm. Mm -hmm. it may have been the the female teacher we saw at the start i don't remember but (laughs) either way that's a
1: good point i don't think i remember either
0: Either way, Rufus wasn't there and doesn't know who this is. This is just adult I saw, must be teacher, and must be able to control over it. Which is kind of good because she brushes him off and goes, look, I don't have any control over that, but you can talk to the the chair of the committee who is just coming in now, and she looks like she's in a good mood. He turns around, and of course it is Lily. ah, Who is no longer in a good mood to see Rufus there uh, as fate just seems to continually throw them together. However, he must be pretty convincing because he sticks around Mm. and when he returns to the loft, uh, he has an announcement that Dan is able to go to the ball. I mean, go to the party. Uh, He has been chosen as the refreshments committee, which didn't exist before Rufus arrived at the school because uh, Rufus is now also the entertainment committee uh, and is playing the gig. So, yeah, good on you, Rufus. You managed to get a job. Maybe this is how he got the gallery as well. He just kind of kept showing up and being like, yeah, I'll do a deal for you. And then, yeah.
1: Yeah. It sounds like it's his usual way of doing things constantly. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: In a way that prepares him.
0: Um, As an aside, uh, Dan is actually reading the book that he mentioned earlier, the the book that the Dartmouth Mm. representative wrote, uh, which is called The Petting Zoo, which honestly, yeah, I can see... I can see someone from Dartmouth writing a book called *The Petting Zoo* and it being a bestseller and being the the book a shortlist and it's it's a whole thing. Anyway, yeah. It also feels like the kind of book that Dan would read and would adore.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's no, he's edgy.
0: It's no kindness of ravens from One Tree Hill, but um, we'll get into that. There, there is a certain period of teen television, it pretty much started with Dawson's Creek and it went through to, I think, after One Tree Hill. So looking about 2000 or 98 to 2012, feels like it's a good long period mm-hmm. where the main male character was a writer or an artistic creator of some sort, whether it was mm-hmm. film or just poetry or books or just general fiction. There was always this, he's, he's sensitive and he writes and it felt very much like I'm a writer and I really want girls to like me.
1: Yeah. Very. What was that? A snag. Yes. Do you still use that term anymore? That acronym? No. That sensitive new age guy?
0: No. Now we just say what nice guy.
1: snag. Yeah. I feel like nice guy I usually in my head equates to himbo
0: though. No, no. Nice guys are bad. Himbos are nice. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. Himbos are big and pretty and dumb. And nice guys uh-huh. are usually a little bit entitled and say they're nice, but they're not so much. Uh,
1: so, like self stated nice guys. I oh, love yeah. Nice guys. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, for the One Tree Hill fans, uh, Chad Michael Murray's character is very much a nice guy, which is funny because he normally played the bad boy on something like Gilmore Girls. So, what is it a. <laughs> Meek is doing the <gasps> went straight over my head expression there.
1: No reference to either of those.
0: Or I feel that if people watch Gossip Girl, they should have watched One Tree Hill or the. Other. Anyway, mm. we we won't get into the AC debate.
1: Or maybe they maybe they were big Blue Healers fans, which was my other show before oh, Gossip Girl. I I'm went so, from Blue healers to Gossip Girl.
0: I'm so glad you didn't make us do Blue healers. I would have. <laughs> it would have been impossible oh. to get. I mean, it would have been great to see Charlie Clausen. Um, since I listen to like right. all these podcasts, but it would have been really, really hard to get. It would have been as bad as trying to get a country practice or something like that.
1: Great, and uh, we're about halfway through the episode, are we? We are. Well, we are like, we're coming. We're at the party. We're at the
0: party. The party is the important thing for this because this is kind of my note that yes. I said about this with a set piece. We talked about set pieces um mm. in the last episode.
1: Yeah, but like the couches about, and yeah, the chairs.
0: Which is set dressing. I will teach you so many film terms by the end of this by the end of this podcast. By the end of this episode, maybe. Either way, a set piece <laughs> This is how I've always had a set piece described. This is a large mm. event. This is one scene that will all take place on one one set, one stage, mm. one location. Mm-hmm. And this is oh, set pieces in a, an RPG adventure might be the battle on top of a train. They oh. might be the going to the ball um, oh. and having to, to steal the information from, from the Duke's son. Things like that. This oh. is where all the action will take place. This is the set piece that you spend all the money on and spend most of the time on. Uh, yeah. this everyone's always my example for it because it's just kind of set piece after set piece after set piece and a lot of the the minuscule scuff is, is getting the characters from one place to the next
1: that mm-hmm. you will have
0: the chasing the vampire down the road set piece so you know all the things that will happen for it and this is a good yeah. example of how you do it that you have all this build-up to get the characters to the, where they need to be for all the drama to unfold yeah uh, that's more of an adventure design one uh, aspect of it. But it's also, to me, for an RPG, it's um, the things that people remember from your game. That you remember yeah. that time when, well, we talked about Dimension 20 and Fantasy High earlier. You remember the prom yeah. that they went to. Yeah. You remember the car chase they had all the other stuff like the little lines in between the critical role is a great example as well you remember Mm. these big epic moments because they are the set pieces of the adventure yeah so when planning encounters try to make them as big as possible is kind of my idea um, from this because they do become set pieces and you have the entire location all kind of mapped out and you know where the story is most likely to go and then you give it to the players and they will just go off the rails immediately but the point is that you have prepared this set piece. You mm. know where all the okay, doors 50, are.
1: Okay, 50 NPCs, uh, lots, of, lots of loot, you know. Yeah. Just one of those little ones where 50 NPCs where they'll talk to the one that's got, like, an alliteration name.
0: Yeah. yeah. Alfons, You'll be like, uh... okay,
1: there's all these people, and then you see, like, I don't know, Flip at the Frilly Goblin, and they're like, boom.
0: <laughs> but they remember Really
1: knows where it's at. I know. But they'll remember
0: it because you can just kind of slide into all the things that you do know. Frilly suddenly has a in at the kitchens and <laughs> they, you need, to, because you've already planned, the chase will go out through the kitchens, that whoever uh. they're chasing will just flee through there. So the set piece is those cool aspects from from narrative fiction that we see. It's the big mm. fight at the end of Avengers Endgame. Um, yes. Yeah. So if you can plan adventures around that, if you can plan it around the boss battle, if you can plan it around the the entering the vampire's castle or seeking out the mm. vampire's tomb, they can be really memorable and really cool. And it's a good way of building these episodes too because that's what they've done. They've gone, the party yeah. here is going to be the set piece. The party is... I keep saying set piece and I'm certain that someone in the comments will go, uh, actually, you've been saying this I'm wrong actually. the entire time. <laughs>
1: Meek was right. It is the chairs. Yeah. No. <laughs> Either
0: way, that's my little soapbox about set pieces and about um, the party in particular, because the party is kind of the big element of this.
1: Yeah. But I think you- that's right about the design as well of games. I read a thing the other day that was like the Door Explorer process of like mm-hmm. playing. It's kind of similar that you have like the the set piece at the end that you're aiming to get to and that in your head, you have just two locations and people feel like they've got agency. Because you tell them they can get there however they want, but you know they are going to go through like the river and then the mountain to get to the set piece. Yeah,
0: Anyway, because you know where the end point is. Uh, it's yes. it's a great thing that you say, here is a map, and it shows you treasure. How you get to the treasure is up to you, but you still kind of have to go down this river to get to the treasure, and you have to go over that mountain yeah. to get to the treasure. So you got to go down the river and the mountain at some point. Whether you decide to walk yeah. there or get a boat, well, that's up to you. Yes. It's the, the illusion, A-G-C. the illusion of choice, Michael. <laughs> so oh, let Lawrence. us talk about this Ivy League party because everything kind of goes down here and is mm. after the catfight, possibly my favourite scene in the episode. We, we, see, we see the Vanderwoodens arrive and Lily's worried about Eric, um, and Serena, well. She looks for the Yale rep, even though we know and Lily knows that she's going to Brown. Yeah. And heads mm. directly over there because she spotted Blair talking with the the Yale rep.
1: Doing her thing. Doing her schmuzin. thing.
0: Schmoozing. Schmoozing. Um, talking up her father's connection with Yale. And, and Serena just comes in and sharks that rep away from her immediately. Is all like, oh, but Blair, you're not so great at any sort of team sports. My father would never forgive me if I didn't introduce myself. He says that you two used to do crew together.
1: Crew? Oh, hi. I'm Serena Vander Woodson. But I didn't know you were interested in doing crew. I'm
0: not. I was just saying that there's a family connection in fact, because my father. I didn't father... know you were
1: interested in athletics at all. Well, especially ones where you might get your hair wet. But she's really more of an indoors type of girl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Your glass is almost empty. Let's get you a drink. Uh, no, I'll take him. Oh, don't worry about it. So tell
0: me about Yale. And you don't yeah. like rowing because your hair could get wet and you're kind ben. of a, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit puncturing Blair entirely and pointing out to the rep that everything Blair is saying is bullshit, that she's literally just yeah. saying this to get in, uh, which I'm assuming yeah. this is kind of the nice little glossy facade that everyone tries to pretend doesn't isn't really the reason they're all there. But mm. um, the mm. fact that Serena just kind of pokes her directly and is like, yeah, it's it's crass for Serena to do, but she does it so well because she mm. then's like, "Oh, you're out of a drink. Let's just steer you over to the drinks table."
1: Yeah, have you met my friend Dan?
0: Yeah, have you met Dan? <laughs> and we noticed this in the last episode where we kind of follow the characters a little bit. Like we came in with Serena and she goes over to Blair, and then we stay with Blair as she talk, talks to Chuck and is very angry about the fact that well, Chuck's meant to be there talking to the Yale rep. Because mm. he's the gay Alusha. God damn it, Chuck. Do your fucking job. But, um, <laughs> you had
1: one job, Chuck.
0: Chuck is trying to hit on the Princeton rep, who is a woman who looks like in her mid 40s. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have questions. I have problems. I, ah, uh, yep. Mostly with the writing and the decision yep. to, to do this, but okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it really needs to be delved into about why a 40-plus woman Uh, would be like, yeah, 17-year-old boy, that's where it's at, even if he is incredibly wealthy.
1: Yeah, at a very clearly school event as well. Like, not even, like, just in the real world where you might be like, oh, you know, maybe he is 20. No, like, clearly school children event.
0: Yes. this. I feel this isn't even wish fulfillment. Like you see in a lot of shows where it's like the, the hot girls like super into the teen boy for some reason, again, one tree Hill Um, or Dawson's Creek again with, um, with Joshua Jackson and and the teacher, like in the first season, there was a whole arc. This, there is a look and it's just like, what is that meant to mean? Is it meant to mean that Chuck is such a Lothario that he oozes such, such sexual energy that 40-plus women are, or 40-year-old women are like, yeah, that guy. Yeah,
1: not, yeah, not so quantity. Sexy.
0: Yeah, well, no. with Chuck, it's kind of quantity, apparently. It <laughs> it does not track for me. Yeah. It's, the realism, the suspension of disbelief is out the window with this. I'm fine with everything else for some reason, but that is where <laughs> I draw the line because I, I just, just know. If it was some I just inter- want to take that
1: last sentence where you said you have no issues with anything else in this show and let's just skate on half. So I want to take that win <laughs> right. and just ride that bad boy out. Which,
0: which seems to be what the Princeton rep wants to do. <laughs> but Chuck isn't worried about um, Blair Blair's little problem with the Yale rep because the head of the Ostroff institute has arrived apparently he is the guest of honor at this speech so Mm. obviously plans Mm. are afoot yes 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 we don't know what is up just yet but um yeah something things are things are most definitely up they're right up Mm. so now we go back to serena because (laughs) the the i think it's actually dr ostroff isn't it yeah Yes, Dr. So, Ostroff. So Dr. Ostroff's arrival.
1: Great villain name, FYI. I know. And great he's so, villain name.
0: He's so nice in this episode. He seems like such a nice guy. He tries to help people. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's a therapist, essentially, for for the wealthy and drug addicted. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, good on him. Nate, we, well, we see Nate talking with the Dartmouth rep. I'm sure he had a name, probably Ted. Sure, we'll call him Ted. Uh, and I love this because it's a great example of a deception check going really poorly. Uh, he's yes. like, um, yes, I, I liked your book. And the like, guy's like, Oh, yeah, what'd you think of the epilogue? A lot of people said it was too commercial. He's like, Um,
1: <laughs> it, it's like it was I a have, book.
0: I have no idea. I didn't read it.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's an epilogue? Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and we see Bart Bass is there as well.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, which
1: again, I. The parents are there as well. So clearly this is like the whole stature. of My child is going to Dartmouth. Well, my child is going to Yale. And therefore I am a success because my offspring is going to be successful. And that is a reflection on me as a person because I have no identity outside of my spawn.
0: Well, it's interesting because all the other ones seem to be there with their child, except Blair's mother, who's in Paris. Um, Yes. And they seem to be interacting with their child, whereas Bart is just talking with Lily. He is not interested in interacting yeah. with Chuck in any way. And honestly, I could relate. Uh, <laughs> so he's talking with Delaney. He's talking with Eric, uh, who just kind of runs off as, a, as soon as he can. Uh, and Eric runs into Jenny, uh, who was also there for some reason. I guess that she's like on cup duty or something. If um, if Rufus is entertainment and and Dan's providing drinks, I guess she's getting ice or the watermelon or something. It is a very uh, Dirty Dancing sort of feel. It's like she's just also there. Uh, So she talks with with Eric for a little bit because they kind of know each other. And then Nate's dad comes up Mm. and mentions um, Eric's trip to Miami, which he very clearly did not do because he responds so awkwardly, which Jenny picks up on. Yeah. And, yeah, that's – she does – I think she says something like, "So, what's the deal with that?" He's like, "It's a long story." She's like, well,
1: I got time."
0: Yeah, I got time.
1: I can it, talk. I can talk. Oh.
0: You're so dreamy, right? This is the with your
1: blonde with your blonde tips. <laughs> oh, I've never seen my brother have bleach tips before. They don't oh. do that in Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know why Jenny sounds like that.
0: It's so accurate, too. <laughs> no, I I'm usually on board with this sort of ship, honestly. The, the little mm-hmm. siblings being like, oh, no, we're just kind of connecting, and it's cute. Like, yeah, that's that's cute. Yeah. Uh, so okay. yeah, anyway, they go off to talk. Um, when Serena heads over to the refreshments table, she spots Dan there, and Dan kind of points her out, or points out to her, are you actually just trying to, to get into Brown and actually doing something for your benefit, or are you just here to screw over Blair? Because mm. some of us actually want to get into university, and you're wasting other people's opportunity by doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so Dan calling like calling it like it is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and
1: bringing some real energy to it. That's some relatable stuff, right there. Right. You know, because he's an everyman, and he doesn't want he his you know opportunity to be overshadowed or taken. And he's still dirty at night at this stage.
0: Yeah. Well, don't don't. Every man has a, a loft in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. And speaking yeah. of Nate, Nate does. <laughs> speaking of Nate, Nate shows up, uh, and cold shoulder well, gives um gives Serena the cold shoulder because he's being a good boyfriend mm. and not speaking to her at all. Yes. Uh, well done, Nate. It means that there's not going to be any Nate Serena Blair drama at this at this party.
1: Mm-hmm. This time. For the next forty minutes.
0: Yeah, uh, and Dan asks Nate, "How's it going with this author that I love?" and have read the book for, and Nate kind of throws back all the things that that Dan said about him. Uh, Well done, Nate, firstly, for remembering those big words, and secondly, for, yeah, calling Dan on his bullshit. Yeah. That Dan has a massive chip on his shoulder, and it's not a pretty sight, so get over it, Dan. Uh, Don't say mean things to people you don't know. I didn't
1: want it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want to be a par.
0: And kind of, yeah. Bot on Nate impression. Uh, just just going <laughs> to- Nate is gonna... the
1: chickens from Chicken Run. Kind of glee now.
0: So this is where I think we start to see more elements of the burgeoning Dan-Nate friendship. Because Dan mm. like kind of reaches out first and is like, hey, look, I, I kind of messed up. Sorry about that. Here is some things to ask the author about his book. Um, apparently yeah. he was influenced by Dr. Zeus and the Lorax in writing yeah who was actually
1: a dr zeus another alumni of Dartmouth.
0: hey research pays off
1: yeah i kind of i left it out because i was like i don't know how we feel about dr zeus today anymore but you're right now that it's, i forgot they got bought up
0: directly um, in the episode yeah. Yeah. So they didn't just make, this is the weirdest thing that somebody who sold apparently a New York Times bestseller has based on the Lorax and expects it to be a great work of literature. Um, however, Nate's that sounds like, like
1: someone who does research for this show. That sounds like the level of research someone would do who does research, who, who like the research team for this show is very small. <laughs> if not, someone's doing two jobs at once. Like, I thought you were
0: talking about our show right now.
1: Oh, <laughs> I was meeting Gus again.
0: But- I would say it's both, yeah. I think that they did go through kind of famous authors' Dartmouth. Google. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Dr. Zeus! Everyone knows Dr. Zeus, Guys, let's shut this in. This is good stuff. All right, let's go. Next scene, next scene. Yep. We've got yep.
0: 18 episodes of this to do. Oh, my God. Uh, it, it just feels so pretentious to base something like this on the Lorax.
1: I because can, it's...
0: I, be, I feel he's called it the petting zoo as well. There was this period, mm. it's very much a Jonathan Franzen sort of feel to it, where this is the great American novel, this is about what real people are like from, you know, Dartmouth. Um, I, I'm i talking smack about a book I, that doesn't even exist, that it only exists in this fictional world, but Dan likes yeah. it and I feel that says everything about it that I need to know. Yeah. I hope it's, it's not like real. The
1: tusk, it's, it, is it the tusk love of Gossip Girl?
0: No, it's not good enough to be tusk love. True. Yeah.
1: It's. I'm, oh. I'm checking now if it's. Petting zoo book Gossip Girl is real. No. Well, there I is think. books obviously called. It's
0: called the petting zoo. There is books yeah.
1: obviously called the petting zoo, but.
0: Uh, no. I I was Great. going to name some books which I think it's like, and then realize that could get me in a lot of trouble. So I'm not going. To... <laughs> So we, we've had problems with that before. Yeah, so either way, no, Dan, really like Nate kind of shows his true colors here because Dan's giving more this advice on what to say about the book, what to talk about the author with, and Nate's like, "Dude, you do it. Yeah. You take your shot. I apparently I'm going to Dartmouth no matter what, so you go and talk to him. It's like you'll actually enjoy it more than mm. I will, um, and yeah. Nate." goes to leave. It's like, well, well done, honestly.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so yeah, he gets the karma the points there. And when mm-hmm. his dad goes to stop him and oh my God, the energy between those two in this shot. So creepy. Yeah. Like I Yeah. I felt uncomfortable for Nate with his dad just being like yeah. that close to him and just being like you, you go back and you you deal you take care of business and talk to that person. Talk to that nice yeah. author who wrote a crap book. Uh yeah. That toxic
1: masculinity is real in that moment. Yeah. Like it is so like.
0: Yeah. And, and Nate stands up for himself. He's like, I don't want to go to Dartmouth. I don't care. Bye.
1: Dad, I want to be like James Franco and I want to go to UCLA. That's what he said in his head.
0: I want to study squid fishing in Borneo. Oh,
1: I would love if one of them actually decided to do a gap here in like Bhutan.
0: Yeah. They probably you know would what? too.
1: Maybe Ivy League isn't for me.
0: That China. Maybe tracks, I'll go and do
1: a yoga retreat in Thailand for a year and just really find myself.
0: Serena would do all, that. Serena would do that. That's a Serena thing to do. And then still come back and go to sure. Brown.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But but also but wearing when she comes back to Brown, she's wearing a lot of like fisherman pants, <laughs> a lot of hemp. Um, A lot of jade, like bracelets and all that she, kind
0: of stuff. She's got white girl dreads. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh. <laughs> that tracks with Serena.
1: Give me strength.
0: Uh, speaking of Van I don't Woodson, want to see. <laughs> speaking of Vanderwoodsons, we have uh, Eric explaining to Jenny kind of why he had the suicide attempt, which we haven't had explained before. Yes. Uh, and it was sort of because Serena wasn't there and they were moving into a hotel and it kind of felt like his life was falling apart. And poor kid, that would suck. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good that he's getting help and the family is there for it. Hmm. Um, And also... I think it's our
1: first insight as well that everything on the Upper East Side isn't quite as it appears like despite all the limousines and flash houses and like, we've kind of got insights into like the unhealthy Mm. parent relationships, but no one's really called a spade a spade until that moment.
0: Yeah. That you're
1: really like, ah, yeah.
0: Yeah. That we haven't, we've so far, we've seen that it's all been excess and we haven't seen the impact that can actually have on someone.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: And I think that's kind of Eric's purpose here because yeah. Yeah. Again, poor kid. But he does also point out that while the Austrian Institute's really great, they're paid more to keep quiet about their their patients than um, mm. for their patients with a C. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I'm doing the puns tonight. It's great. <laughs> and Jenny says you don't even have to pay me. I'll just stay quiet because she likes him. Uh, I'll probably. just stay
1: quiet, Erin. Oh. I just really like your blonde tips. <laughs> so pretty.
0: You're not a natural. Wait, he's a natural blonde. <laughs> He's done blonde tips too, or maybe he's yeah,
1: not. Yeah, like I think I think he's like an ashy blonde, but he's done the. There's definitely a bleach tip in there.
0: It was the 2000s. It was the NSYNC oh, maybe that one. was the.
1: Yes, it was exactly. Yeah. Well, this is post post sync.
0: So we have um, Blair's big speech. This is the plan, all coming together for Blair, as she mm. introduces um, Doctor Ostrov. And explains mm-hmm. why he is there because one of Constance's own, one of oh, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll put the clip in. I might put the clip in. We'll find out. Yeah, uh, maybe. basically, she goes, "It's so great that you're taking care of Serena. That you're mm. that she's got a drug addiction. It's it's really great that she's able to stand up here today. Basically, throwing her under the bus with all of these college reps because, of course, you couldn't mm-hmm. ever go to an Ivy League college and do drugs. Um, that's no. Yeah, no one at Ivy League colleges have ever done drugs in their life. They no. do not inhale, as the the phrase mm. is. Um, and she kind of goes, Serena, come up here. And there's just this long wait of everyone being like, "Ooh, ooh what's going to what's going to happen?" Ooh, Serena, Serena does drugs. Everyone. Um, Are you
1: going to fight again, like on the hockey field? Let's yeah, maybe.
0: See. Kind of feels like that. And then Serena's like yep, that tracks, off I go. Um, yeah. And Lily has no idea what's going on. was like, why would Blair say something so horrible to my her best friend? Um, yeah. poor, so in the dark, poor Lily. Uh, and Serena kind of steps up, even though Lily warns her not to. And Jenny, Dan's like, oh my God, I didn't even know she had a drug addiction. And Jenny has to explain <laughs> to him it's okay, yeah. it's okay Sarita's pure, it's fine she's not She's not a drug addict
1: <laughs> Dan, she doesn't really have a drug problem Dan it's just Blair being mean to her
0: no, well it's also, she explains that it's actually Eric that's that's yeah. in the and she's ostrom- protecting her and, she's protect- and you do kind of see again the, the cogs in Dan's brain ticking over being like oh she is selfless and nice she is the saint mm. that I've been you know what, well, I'm not going to finish oh. that comment so what I like is that um mm. That Serena gets up there and starts to make this speech about supposedly her addiction uh, and how great the yes. Ostrov Centre is and how important it is and all these things. It's actually a really good speech. Hmm. It's, it's very heartfelt. Yeah, it is really heartfelt because she is talking about all the things that they've done for Eric and it is coming mm. from the heart. And I feel that this is Serena's strength that she is really good on the spot.
1: She's got an improv.
0: Yeah, she's good at improv. She's got the looks for it. People just naturally like Serena.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, and, of course, Blair cannot have that because things are turning against her. She's like, shut up, shut up. Just push her off the stage. You're, you're done. You're done. And it's very done. nice. Yep. And you're done. Um, so Serena then just storms off. And Lily, again, is just like, why? What the hell? What the hell just happened? That was shocking. Uh, mm. And Serena's like, look, I just took a massive fucking bullet for Eric So can yeah. we just talk like can we just be a family now and not yeah. worry about all of this university crap yeah and yeah I I like that Serena did that for her brother yeah and just yeah it's nice uh, but she does go back to to confront Blair and just be like are, are you done? are you yeah. are you finished with this whole little yeah. war And Blair's like no. Why would I be done? (laughs) I lost today. You won today. So of course you want to give up. But no, this is going to keep going until you lose and you suffer.
1: Yeah. Um, Like you've made me suffer.
0: Yeah. It's like, damn, girl. Was Nate Mm -hmm. really that good in bed that it's like such a big deal? (laughs) (laughs) Serena slept with Uh, him first.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's an unfortunate, again, wholly generalised statement. But from my experience going through high school, adolescence, and then, you know, you, there are some people that just hold a grudge. Yeah. Uh, very well.
0: Blair very much holds a grudge very well.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, but Dan doesn't because when Serena leaves, Dan goes to check on her, just kind of make sure that she's okay. And does also explain, don't worry, I know you're not a druggie. It's it's okay. You're, you're not a meth head. Um, yeah. Jenny told me, and that's okay. I'm, I'm here to support you and your brother because I know about that. Yeah, and he also apologizes, like, "Hey, I'm sorry. I, you know, talk shit about all of about you and your choices."
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: for some reason, Serena finds this charming, uh, and is like, <laughs> "Hey, maybe we could still date now that you've got that chip off your shoulder." Yeah. And you know what? Good for them. They're they're communicating and they're being honest yeah. and they're sorting out their mm-hmm. differences. And that is the sign that maybe they could have a relationship. So well done yeah. to them.
1: Thumbs up. Yeah. Gold star.
0: Yeah. Well done, Dan. Good on you. Uh, you didn't write about yeah. it on the blog first. So that's a that's a key yeah. part of um of moving forward and being a, a respectable human being. Mm. Uh, Very low bar, we're
1: setting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dan barely makes it over sometimes. So in regards to respectability, uh, Eric wins a lot of points for what he does next because Mm. um, Lily is quite ready to go home or send him back to the Institute. And Eric very calmly says, I just need to talk to someone first uh, and heads over to see Blair. Mm-hmm. and basically calls her out and just goes, why the hell would you do that? It's like, oh, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about this, Eric. And he goes, it's yeah. not Serena in the Institute. It's me. And shows her the wrist with the cut down mm. down the the vein. Um, yeah. And basically just blows her mind that he was even distraught at all. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I I feel like there's a lot of connection between those two Mm. that like serena and blair have been best friends and this is the little kid that she's that blair saw grow up yeah uh and she has basically abandoned him and didn't even know he was going through this and then has just destroyed his big sisters who he clearly idolizes and always has yeah he's she's just destroyed all of serena's chances at the good life yeah and we get a little voiceover from Gossip Girl. I don't know how Dan knows what's happening here. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> he's got spies everywhere.
1: He can read lips really, really well. Yeah. Uh, if you cut the camera to the side, you just see Dan just staring really like kind of <laughs> obtusely and creepily. Head tilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, blinking, just watching their lips move.
0: But Gossip Girl wonders what Blair's going to do with this information. Uh, and Blair basically is like, I'm not gonna do anything with it. because um, Chuck yeah. comes in and is like, hey, what's all that about? And she's like, nothing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so we see Blair growing, which good on her.
1: Gold star Blair.
0: Yeah. She's growing as a person too. It's great. Now if she could just um, actually communicate with Nate, it might be might be useful. Um So now that Nate set up Dan with the with the author, Dan's got his little um mm-hmm his little signature for the petting zoo mm-hmm. uh, and a little suggestion that maybe he'll come to Dartmouth in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice. He got to meet his hero. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Rufus gets thanked for everything Rufus does, basically doing all these these things to set up um, Dan and Jenny in the best possible way, which is kind of the, the arc that Rufus has had, that he is going to do yeah. anything to give his kids a great life. Good on Rufus. Yeah, gold stars. The star.
1: most opportunities. Gold That's stars. Right. So many gold stars this episode.
0: I know. It's like we're wrapping up the we're wrapping up the, the show. And we want to be like, hey, everybody did really well today. These Yay. are heroes. Who gets it? Uh, and you'll like this because the next scene's in Chuck Sweet. Uh yes. and Nate is waking up on the couch, the couch that we love.
1: Our favorite
0: couch. Uh, the couch you chose as your NPC last episode. <laughs> This is why That's I love delicious. this couch. It looks like really comfy, yeah. actually, For if Nate's yeah. sleeping there that often. Uh, his dad yeah. wants him to go running. And we noted that Chuck apparently got the Princeton reps number because what the fuck? <laughs> I, you know what? I went I'll over this it. already. Um, I feel that yeah. it, it may not even be the real number. I think it's more like here's a number. Just stop bothering me, little boy. Um, mm. Let's here, hope so. Here's my daughter's number. She already goes uh, yeah. to college. That I believe.
1: Sure, sure. All of it's all of it's troubling. It is. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Let's let's yeah. not let us not dwell on um, Chuck Bass yeah. and his. I honestly think he just wrote down a fake number. He didn't even talk to the Princeton rep, and he's just doing it as a as a cover for Nate, which tracks, for, in my opinion, of Chuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard for me to be objective with <sighs> Chuck Bass.
0: I guess that's true as well. I'm quite subjective when it comes to Chuck Bass because I think he's a horrible human being and (laughs) nothing is beneath him. And speaking of underhanded tricks, uh, Nate's dad Mm. has organized for the Princeton Rep, not Princeton Rep, that'd be weird, for the Dartmouth Rep to to come on a run with them. And again, we have... We have an, and I love that the cover he used for Nate having to leave was a case of food poisoning because nothing says, Come along to our Ivy League school. We're sorry you had like explosive diarrhea all yesterday. Maybe we should go (laughs) for a run together. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's now do a half marathon. That's exactly
0: what you want to do. Um, Well, it's not going to be a half marathon because as soon as they start jogging off, Howard, I think, is it Howard? Howard Archibald. That's, I'm going to call him Howard. Um, That sounds right. He starts talking about how great Nate is and on the lacrosse team and all these other things. He's like, no, you're going running. You don't talk yeah. while you're running. You're trying to breathe, or in my case, die. I don't
1: know. Yeah. See, that's, I'm the same. But I do know people, I have seen many people who completely have conversations whilst jogging. Now, personally, I think those people are clearly not of this earth, but, or like have made some pact with some truly unholy deity. But people can do it. It's just not me. And judging by this, not you either, and that's okay. We have strengths in other places. Yeah,
0: for everyone listening to this podcast while they go running, and if you're actually able to talk to me while you're doing that, we salute you. Well done. Yeah. Oh. Kudos. Yeah, I don't it's believe not on you my actually list, exist. But good on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird as all hell. Anyway, um, so Jenny goes to see Eric as well. Uh, mm-hmm. She's brought a little bit of a gift. Uh, and Eric's response to her being there is quite cute as well. Yeah. I, I'm not sure whether it's like a little bit of a crush thing going on or whether it's just he has a visitor when he wasn't expecting anyone mm. to be there or he has a friend now, which it seems like he yeah. didn't have any before.
1: I think just, and someone his own age as well. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. we, we know like it, as an adult, two or three years is nothing. But like as a kid, two or three years is so huge developmentally and also just like an interest and stuff. That
0: Oh, yeah. You don't talk to anyone outside your year group unless you really have to. <laughs> when you're or in, you're in really
1: cool or yeah. you're really cool
0: sure and even then
1: you're only talking to the older kids if you That's talk right. to the younger kids you're a weirdo yes but so if you, you talk are. to the older kids you're cool
0: oh wow you know them they're so cool yeah
1: mhm mhm uh so
0: yeah it's good that they've got they've got friends um and and Jenny notices that there are flowers there uh he's like turns out they're actually from the brown rep um apparently they have a a cousin that is also a druggie, so they're pretty impressed with Serena being able to, ah, to step up. You missed this, right. didn't I forgot you? About, yeah. I,
1: forgot about, I forgot about that little bit at the end.
0: Which is it's such a thing. Basically, everything works out for Serena. Gold star for Serena for not mm. for for being heartfelt and it just so what a lucky coincidence that the thing that she wanted just happens to fall into her lap. Yeah. Because uh, she is how, golden touched. Yeah, she is. She just kind of waltzes She's like she literally
1: life. has the lucky feet. She literally has the lucky feet. Yes.
0: Yes, that is exactly exactly the case and i feel that this is why Mm. this is why blair is so furious at her all the time because blair's Mm. kind of got to work and like manipulate and scheme and do all these things to get what she wants and serena just kind of stumbles into somebody and is like oh i didn't realize you're going to give me a job that's great
1: yeah i'm serena vanderwoodson look at my blonde hair
0: things just work out for me yeah Uh, don't ask
1: me i'm just a girl yeah
0: kind (laughs) of So I, I bring those up because the final scene is Blair and Serena um, kind of burying the hatchet that Blair goes yes, to find Yes, this her. is a beautiful
1: scene. I, I like this scene. scene.
0: I think this is an amazing scene. This, this is so is a, sweet. This is really probably my favorite scene in the episode. I think I might have said that earlier. Um, this mm. is, again, why I really like Blair in this episode, because she goes to Serena and does explain why she is really so mad at Serena, It's not about no. Nate. It's not about the Ivy League stuff. It's not about any of that. Essentially, she takes out a letter that she wrote uh, when when Serena left. And I'm going to put the clip in here because um, it's just an easier way to describe it that yeah. way. What's that? A letter? I wrote it to you when you were
1: away at boarding school.
0: I never sent it. Dear Serena. My world is falling apart. And you're the only one who would understand. My father left my mother for a 31-year-old model. A male model. I feel like screaming because I don't have anyone to talk to. You're gone. My dad's gone. Nate's acting weird where are you why don't you call
1: why did you leave without saying goodbye you're supposed to be my best friend
0: i miss you so much i'll split yeah and she lost her friend her friend disappeared with no word and she didn't Mm. understand, and Blair was going through a tough time, her parents were splitting up, and she had no one to talk Mm. to. And it would hurt like fuck.
1: And I think it shows a little bit of vulnerability for Blair as well that we haven't really seen so far. Yeah. Because a lot of her is like, everything's fine, I'm good, I'm strong, I can deal with anything, you know. Mm. And finally this is her being like, well, actually, I wasn't dealing with everything, and you left, and that sucked.
0: And I think we've seen... And you didn't
1: even call me.
0: I think, yeah, that she didn't even call her because we've seen this, that they're friends for a reason Mm. and that Serena can very clearly tell that something is wrong and they keep having these little moments together that they'll fight about Nate and there was a thing at brunch the day before, literally the day before. (laughs) Yeah. So Serena keeps looking, like every time she's like, are we good? Are we good? She's like, is this what's bothering you? Is this why you're upset? Have we now gone through this and can we go back to normal? Because I understand you need to get yeah. some things out of your system. And it's only now that Blair's shown this is what has been hurting me. This is my yeah. vulnerability. And I it's only come about because that Eric showed his vulnerability. Mm. That Eric said, look, Serena has been protecting me. Serena is being so good for me. And Blair says this Mm. as well. Blair says to Serena that Eric talked to her and explained what was actually going on. Yeah. So a lot of it was that, that openness and now this communication between the two of them. Again, Mm. communication solves so many problems that they can be friends again. It's going to be tricky. Gossip girl's like, Oh, there's two Queens and you can only have one on the board, which is not true because you have two Queens on the chessboard at all times. They, They fight. That's kind of the point. But, they're they're opposing. Could have
1: used a bee analogy. Yeah, and that would have been. One better. queen in a hive.
0: Oh, I'm sure that'll come up later. <laughs> that's that's the kind of the thing it would go for. Either way, I like this little this reveal between the two of them. Yeah. Um because we see we finally get to see why they did the things they did. That Serena says, I I slept with Nate. I did not know how to be your friend, because I betrayed you yeah. that that much. So I just left. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's it's a really good scene. It's shot really well as well. I just love that that yeah. look in the rain out onto the park as they've got they're both framed by the the columns. Um, it yeah. is a a beautiful shot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Aww.
0: And that is why. For well, I I get to go first this week because every week we pick a character from the episode where Uh uh, we would make them into a player character or an NPC in our game. And this week I have chosen Blair. Um, Blair, oh, okay, I've gone in early,
1: okay,
0: uh, because up until now, Blair has been a villain, uh, in these Mm -hmm. these episodes because she's always been the the problem that they've got to deal with, she's been the, the antagonist, um. She's been the one causing conflict that Serena and Nate and Dan are trying to get around. And here we actually see what is motivating her. Uh, And I would still make her a villain, Um, Mm -hmm. particularly because she makes such an interesting villain that she is willing to go really petty. She will go very low. She will seek out those little victories that she can get that will hurt the party just a little bit. Just because that will niggle yeah. at them, and it's the destroying their foodstuffs on a on a long journey. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we can hunt food, but really,
1: it's yeah, it's way more hard work.
0: Yeah, it just creates another another um, another obstacle for them, and a lot of this actually will create their own downfall because it means the heroes are more likely to go. Yeah, we really need to take care of this. Uh, so yeah. it kind of leads into their own defeat. But what I love most about this is you can see her pain and you can see why she's doing all these things once you get her motivation you can see why she's lashing out in these ways and why she's doing it just to to make someone else feel or pay attention to her Mm. and the key element of all of it is it's an opportunity to have a villain that you can talk down you don't have to defeat Mm. them in a massive battle you can talk to them you can hug it out literally if you can find out what's going on with them you have an opportunity to go we're not going to be violent with you we're going to figure out what's bothering you and we're going to sort it out which you don't often if you can do it with a villain it can be a wonderful catharsis for a group
1: yeah a diplomacy win does always feel
0: great yeah it can sometimes really piss the the game master off uh, because it's like I had a huge set piece battle with your dragon, and now you're like, "Oh wait, they they're doing all this because they just wanted like their their child's drawing back, and I just happen to have this, and here you go, and now we'll talk about it, your feelings." It's like, shit. I mean, you know what? As long as the party is satisfied, I am satisfied. But now they want the the dragon to to be their ally. Of course they do. This is why I wanted to kill it. Um, <laughs> no, I I love that she is able to be made made to feel the consequences of her actions. And really in this episode, yeah. she is my favorite character. Uh, she might yeah. be in future episodes as well. So as I said, I'm going in early, but I feel that this is kind of the peak Blair for, for yeah. the, this little arc that she's been on. So she is my pick as yeah. an NPC. I don't think I'd be able to do her as a pa- I don't think I'd be able to run her as a player character in this way. I have in the past done a lot of damaged characters, similar to Blair, ones that are just running off pain, but Mm. I don't think I'd be able to do Blair justice, so I'd make her an NPC. Fair enough.
1: I think you could rock a you could rock a lovely headband. I
0: look, a, I look good in I look good in a, a headband. Day. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Yeah. Um, I have on a number of occasions, but um, not as well as Blair could. I just don't have <laughs> I mean, the fashion pretty, sense. That is a
1: very high bar. Yeah. No, uh, that high headband.
0: Mm. But what about you, Meek? Who would you pick this
1: uh, week? My NPC for this week, I was going to choose Dr. Ostroff because I liked, the fact, I liked the fact that when you are in, like you've mentioned, like one of these set pieces or you're at the ball or something and in your head is a party, you think you have a clear outline of what's going to happen. Then all of a sudden, some character from someone's backstory makes a surprise appearance. Mm-hmm. And then because instantly, no matter what you're doing, as soon as someone's backstory comes up, everyone's attention just goes like... Rawr. uh and i really yeah i really like that to just mix something up and then people have to choose well do i want to be like do i want to be a little bit selfish and pursue my own backstory here that i can see the hook for or do we stay on task and you know help save the world and you know deal with the bigger issue yeah and it's always a nice little conflicting thing to throw out to a party
0: uh, if they'll take the
1: bait and i feel like i feel like that's what ostroff was kind of there like the fact that especially like serena was so like how do how do you know how does what what?" um
0: yeah, but it, she took
1: the high
0: road. It, it does give them that choice. It's do I confront this? Do I deal with my past? Yeah. Or do I go with the goal that I've been trying to get for this? Like she could have called Blair on this and, yeah, she could hmm. have called Blair and be like, it's not me, you stupid bint. You, you, yeah. You're you, talking about my brother who's, who's, you know, you're attacking innocent. How dare you? She could yeah. have ruined Blair right there. But she took oh, the high 100%. road. 100%. Um,
1: hmm.
0: And basically ignored the bait that Ostroff was. So, yeah, it's I, I love that idea. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. So he's, always keen to throw in
1: a little bit of backstory when you when you can, an unexpected backstory as well, rather than just kind of arriving, you know, to your hometown or arriving where you know your backstory is, for mm. them to just
0: appear. Backstory out of well, nowhere.
1: I, I like to have a lot of my backstory characters, I like to have them as travellers or, like, usually from some kind of travelling troop, because I play a bard most of the time, because that way my GM can just put them anywhere. Because they're travellers, they could <laughs> pop up anywhere.
0: Anywhere, and they can disappear yeah. just as easily if they need to.
1: Yeah, because they're a- travellers.
0: <laughs> You're missing the the hand dance that I'm seeing, with <laughs> listeners.
1: I'm so glad this isn't streamed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: however if you do want to see wonderful hand dance um videos because i'm sure oh. you have a few up there uh meek where can people find you <laughs> online on social media
1: they can find me being chuggy, uh on instagram reels at blushing underscore bard
0: the fuck is chuggy
1: chuggy is when someone my age tries to be cool and do tiktok dances uh, not unlike these ones
0: Again, uh, visual media. It it's t- all audio media. Oh, right? yeah. No one can see what you just did.
1: <laughs> Chuggy means like cringy. Oh. When when millennials try to do Gen X stuff, we are chewy. I kind of love it. I think it's beautiful. No. No. I want every every person that's that's listening to this that is not a millennial. Chuggy is a great word and I'm going to use it so much. You're going to regret giving it to me.
0: I am a curmudgeonly old man and I hate you for I hate you all of you for making this <laughs> a word. So if you want to come and at the podcast about why two is a word. The podcast, as I mentioned earlier, can be found on Twitter at DNDNTVPOD. Uh, same on Instagram. If you's chuck uh, at gmail.com on the end of it, you can send me emails. Please don't send me too many hate emails. I'm sure I've pissed off so many people. Dartmouth in particular is never letting me visit. Uh, oh, it, it's that. Uh, what a
1: missed opportunity. I know, right? I had, I had a
0: real in with, uh, with Dartmouth mm-hmm. before this episode and now I'm done for no, it's I hesitate to ask you to leave us a review at a rating on podcast patches <laughs> after that but you know what if you've been able to sit through this episode which is turning out to be one of our longest I'm worried about how we're actually going to get through all 18 another 15 to go it's not that many it's just a half year uh, <laughs> please, please do Please leave it on. Five stars is the best. <laughs> I'm and losing. friends, it. if you
1: would like these to go longer, if you would like, if you think that these podcasts are still too superficial and you'd like a more in depth, if you want this podcast, but like the uh, after dark version, also leave that feedback because we would love to do an in between one of these as well.
0: Oh my God. We're I gonna think need there's
1: a, more we could discuss.
0: We're going to need a Patreon just to have the, the deleted scenes. Oh my God. <laughs> So until next time, thank you so much for listening and putting up with this. Be kind to yourselves, stay safe, and may all your hits be crits.